0: Hey, can you hear me? Bam, we're live. Yeah, good morning.
1: Good morning, man. How are you?
0: I'm awesome. I think maybe yesterday was one of the best night's sleep I've had, and well for sure, as far back as I can remember.
1: Oh huh. you try to see how do you get your your voice in my headphones instead of uh, across the computer? Do you know?
0: Um, there'll be something down there in settings like a a, a a do you see a gear? Oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. And then then there'll be an audio button. And then there'll be a drop-down menu for speaker.
1: Got you now you're, in my, now you're in my head.
0: Ah, nice. How about, how about um the the mic? Is the mic, is the right mic chosen too? There's an option for that too. Yeah, I think I heard you when you touched it just now with your hand. I think I heard it good.
1: Yeah, perfect. Thanks, man.
0: Will you just turn that so it's a little, so it's uh, just a little closer and then can you bring it in front of your lips? Man? Yeah. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah, even better. Yeah, wait till I put a chew in, then it's going to
1: get really exciting. Mm, yum, 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 yum. How you been, man? How's the, how's the family?
0: Dude, so good.
1: What's the coolest thing that uh,
0: them kids of yours have done in the as last soon as, 24 soon as you, hours? I just picture Avi flying through the air on a skateboard. Right. <laughs> as soon as you said, what's the coolest? I just saw d- kids skateboarding. <laughs> you know what was cool? I have these. My, my boys are really nice boys. Mm-hmm. And when, and they do a lot of martial arts, almost seven days a week, a different kind of shit, right? Uh, jiu-jitsu, striking, kickboxing. And I always feel like that they're nice to the other kids. So they let, if they're doing striking, they let the other kid totally decide, um, the intensity. If they're rolling, you know, they don't just go, if they, if, if they mount a kid, they let the kid, you know, practice, um, doing a sweep and rolling over and getting on top of them. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. not just like, they're just, they're not there to win. And, that's what's beautiful oh you know, it's so fucking cool i love it but the other day a lady said uh hey it, my six-year-olds who to me are just complete goofballs right you know part gumby part fucking unicorn like i, I even uh y- you know i'm the dad and i want to see more um rock throwing and bow and air shoot, shooting. And to me, there's a little bit of my little pony in them. I'm like, you goofballs. You know what I mean? But I, le- I let it be. You know what I mean? They're just goofballs. Yeah. And this lady goes, you know, she, I think she has a pretty tough son. She goes, yeah, it's, it's a little scary um having my kids in a class with your kids. Really? And I, and I took a little pride in that. I was like, yeah, yeah it, it should be a little scary. They're fucking lethal. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They've been doing this shit for three years, seven days a week. But I'd never even imagined that because to me, they're just fucking they're like slinkies you know what i mean just like just all over kinda that's cool but yeah i like i like that compliment they're it's little, a good it's compliment little scary yeah it's a little scary yeah when you were on the show uh last by the way thanks for doing this again yeah and, i'm excited we've had this scheduled for since i think we scheduled it the day
1: after we got off or maybe the same day we got off the last one right
0: yeah it's a lot of time for a a cool dude like you to give me it's I don't a know. lot of time i appreciate the compliment um I mean it's good it. to
1: talk to you. It's good to talk to you. It's good to connect. Okay, good. It's, it's, it's the conversation. I'm fascinated with the conversation and hearing your perspective and I, I enjoy it. So, um, no, I appreciate it.
0: Good. Thank you. Um, I, uh, in, in that show I asked you when we talked, it was kind of, um, I was describing it yesterday on the show. I said, I wanted to talk to him about his, um, his boating adventure rowing across the Atlantic, but really it felt, um, as I started talking, it felt more important to just get to know each other again it'd been probably a couple of years since you and i had sat down and talked so it was mm-hmm. good just talking to you. and then one of the things i asked you in that conversation was hey do you prefer to be called brian or tosh and you said uh, something along the lines i'm paraphrasing it doesn't matter but i you know i i like tosh and you said but i have a you know dan dan or you said taco still calls me brian yeah, And I was like, wow, I haven't heard that name in like 10 years. I just ran into that dude once while filming at a CrossFit gym in Seattle. And I just knew that he was some badass seal.
1: Solid I, dude.
0: Yeah. And and I met his family and they were so good to me. Right. I think yeah. I was filming at their gym and just, just really hospitable, uh, loving people. And then, and then to see, and then to see that he passed in between our last conversations, I was just like, holy cow, what a, yeah, what a crazy thing. I got a, uh,
1: I got a text message early in the morning on the 24th saying Dan had a heart attack and he's passed. And I was just like, holy shit. And then I started getting notes and had a phone call with one of the guys that was with him when it happened. And it just, uh, man hit pretty hard too young, uh, too young, too young. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's had some health, health, health scares in the past, you know, and lived a hard life. Um, but man, you want to talk about a, a, a magnanimous individual full of, he, which is crazy to see his shift because he was angry, like Taco. It's almost like I don't even want to call him Taco anymore. I call him Dan because uh-huh. uh, Taco was mean and angry and violent. and Oh, interesting. And, and, a, and a badass. And then he went and got some treatments and some therapies and, and, and all of that and counselings. And uh, he did a. He did a. A thing, I think it was an ayahuasca or an Ibogaine adventure and came back and like 100% different dude. Like he wasn't swearing, he wasn't drinking, he was full of love and beauty, and he was just as lethal. And, um, man, it reminds me of something uh, that Jordan Peterson had said, but, anyways, um, he was just an amazing, amazing dude and, uh, just beautiful, full of kindness, full of generosity. He didn't cross him, um, yeah, it just, it just hit pretty hard, man. I know it rocked the world and uh, the family, you know, but, the, you know, the SEAL community is is very blessed with an incredible support structure network, you know, the Navy SEAL Foundation and, and that group of individuals. I mean, you hang out with Dave, you know, you have an idea. And so his family's going to be really well taken care of. And, you know, Dan was was pretty successful in the business world you know, outside of um, his military career. So, you know, you think about the family, you know, it hurts me It me. It hurts. Cause I lost a friend. And, uh, but like that now my concern is about the family and making sure that they're okay. And he's got uh, three wonderful children and his daughter is in the Cirque du Soleil. No shit. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: on, on the uh, production side, but, or on the like uh, juggling unicycle riding flip side. Yeah. She's, she's playing. She's, she's, acrobatic it was a dream oh was when she was God. young and her
1: dad was like taco was like you know what if you dream it i'm gonna make it happen baby girl and he just she was doing the trapeze work and all i mean years and years of just and he just made it possible everybody laughed and uh, you know start to slay and she was just in dubai um at a show and she's she's on the show circuit now and it's just yeah. so cool to see that relationship uh a father, a mother, a, a parent parental figures with their children. It's like, hey, you know, if you dream it, I'm going to help you work for it, and we're not going to do the poo-poo. Like, I, I think that's one of the things that's really cool about the way that you work with your children. You know, it's just like, oh, hey, like, let's explore, let's explore, let's not follow some traditional model that the world is going to tell me that my children have to do, and just encourage exploration, um, development of self identity, and. And just give it some guidance and just play. Life is just play. Yeah, there's work in there. You got to do some work, but man, if, just play.
0: I don't know. If if, if someone, um, I just if if I were to die, I would not want anyone to f- spend one bit of energy on me. If you're gonna, if if I die and you need to spend energy anywhere, if you have some energy you need to give, you give it to my family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't donate a fucking cent to my tombstone. Send my yeah. kid a fucking bag of oranges. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Put
1: me in the fireplace of the campfire and throw a party and and then just make sure that my son's, my daughter's, my wife
0: And that's all probably Taco cares about too. It is. Right? It he is. probably like he didn't give a shit that he's dead or alive other than the fact of the impact it probably has on his um on his wife and his kids. Mhm. Like no one's yeah. Yeah, I would suppose that. Right, I kind of guy he was. Yeah, he loved
1: his family. Man, he loved his family. Loved his, loved his close friends, his inner circle. He just, he just full of love, which was crazy. You know, when I first met Dan, uh, like wow, this fucking guy, like he eats fire, like man. And I didn't even know him at the top of his heyday, I don't think. And uh, I was really blessed to be with him through this transition that he made, and just so impressed with the man that. He is and was and still is to me. I remember, I uh, we were at a. I was working a gig for him out in Idaho,
0: and uh, first night guarding guarding drinking. a high profile target or no no oh, doing oh,
1: a, oh. doing. I was at Shaw shooting as an instructor for him, oh,
0: okay.
1: but I, he did do that right.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He did a lot of personal security.
1: Um, he helps. He, yeah, anyways. Um, and I went. I wasn't drinking. I had just stopped drinking. I was just kind of wrestling in my head. You know, I was going through some. You know, highs and lows. I was kind of in a low. And uh, I started drinking with Houston and and Repo and Kate. And next thing you know, it's they go to bed, Houston and I. And I mean, we drank till eight o'clock in the morning. I passed out. We went out shooting and doing. And I showed up fucking damn near drunk still and for work. And he just, whatever, just let it go. And I'm just waiting for the astuce. And, you know, and I'm embarrassed, professionally embarrassed. And, uh, all he did was, uh, hey Tosh, ride with me. We'll go back to the, for lunch when we broke for lunch. And we just pulled up onto a, a rise and we just talked and he's like, Hey man, are you okay? I'm like, Dan, I'm so sorry. I was like, shut the fuck up, Tosh. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like, are you okay? Mm. Like, let's mm. like, and man, I, we, we probably spent 45 minutes in that truck and I'm coming to, I'm coming to, I'm getting, I'm coming to tears right now thinking about the conversation. I mean, it was yeah. that, that impactful for me. And, um, uh, I'm not gonna be all loud and say, "Oh, he saved my life." Like that's not it. But he he affected positive change for me in a, in a moment when I was struggling. And to have a friend like that to just be like, "Hey, dude, are you okay?" Felt good.
0: Hey, that's some potent shit. There's this thing um you learn uh, really. Uh, high level communication and, and dealing with people uh, address the. And I work with disabled adults, and this was a key to it. Address the person, not the behavior, and that's why that's why couples can't get along. They start they start reading into stuff like your wife does or your husband does, and you can't get along because you read into shit and you're not addressing the person. You're reading the behavior. It becomes about you instead of them. And he didn't do that. He addressed the person, not the behavior. I love that. I'm writing it down, bud. Right he addressed you he did like he uh, that takes um that takes some uh hardcore selflessness addresses the person not the behavior crazy
1: yeah it's a high level of emotional intelligence involved with yes with yes that's the word i was
0: looking for yes crazy high level yeah you're not getting sucked into their shit you're 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 um there. uh mother Teresa. you know it's or it's attributed to her be nice to people because they're uh, because you're a nice person, not because they're nice to you and I feel the same way about being mean be mean to someone not because you're supposed to be mean be mean because you want to be mean like if yeah. you need to be mean to someone be mean to them but if you need to be nice to someone be nice to them but don't fucking do it because they're dictating the they're dictating the reason why you're doing it hey, I'm nice to people because I'm just a nice person mm-hmm. be an asshole to me I'm still nice you can't change me.
1: Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, this the circular conversation back to that thing I was talking about with Jordan Peterson, and it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, hey, like, you know, you should you should be capable of extreme violence, and you should be very very cautious of the individuals that look so gentle because they have their violence controlled. Right. You know, um, I'm paraphrasing how I how I distorted it, and it's like I, some of the baddest, baddest, toughest, hardest, coolest, um, most capable. People that I know are kind, they're gentle, they're kind, um, and they have the ability to flip this switch. And that's what makes you respect them so much because you're like, I know this person is in total control of himself, total control of his emotions. Right. And we're talking just like anger and violence. And if he flips that switch, like you hold those people in awe, I think I do, Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Yeah. There was a, I came across um Will Grimes sent me a, a, a Instagram something something the other day and it was um the actor who played Optimus Prime on Transformers and I wrote it down What's um, The guy's name Will Grimes. Uh, a buddy of mine his my buddy's name is Will. Uh oh, oh. but he sent me an Instagram thing. I need to pull it up right now. It's the actor of who played Optimus Prime and I wrote this quote down. I just can't find my index card where I wrote it down. It's on a green one right here.
0: There's no hurry. Green index card.
1: His name is Peter Cullen. Oh His yeah, okay, brother was a captain in the Marine Corps, Vietnam, I think he was. And he was talking to him about whatever, whatever. Um, hey, you're going to Hollywood to play a hero, whatever, you know? And he said, "Hey, don't play this this bullshit hero that the macho thing. Like, be strong enough to be gentle. Be a hero that mm. be strong enough to be gentle." And I wrote that down yesterday, and I'm like, it's funny how the world works. Like, we're having this conversation out of the blue. We didn't talk beforehand and I've got all these notes and it's all about one thing. You it's came like the, prepared. Gods are, the gods are just pushing energy to me right now to put me in check or something, you know, and just check in with my values and check in with how I'm living my life and amazing. Like this thing with Taco uh, hit pretty hard for me. It's right on the, it was the day before March 25th, which is the anniversary of, of the ambush in, in Iraq and I usually just spend the day by myself. And then
0: to get that, what day was that? March twenty first, March twenty fourth. Taco passed, and
1: then but the, but the ambush
0: in Iraq. What was it? Was what twenty fifth? Yeah, okay.
1: And uh, so normally I'm, it's coming. You know it's coming. You start to feel it, and I just kind of do my own thing. Nicole was traveling, so it was home alone. And then uh, get hit with Taco. Then the next day, the twenty fifth, and it's just like, oh man. So, anyways, neither here nor
0: there. Why? Why? Why does um. Oh, um that, that, that date, um, the, the ambush in, in the, I- 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 how did that get stuck to an, a date? How did that get stuck to like, like a, like a birthday? How, yeah. how did that, you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what day I was married. Don't, I don't know too many days. I know what day I was born. I don't know what day I was married. I don't know what day I barely can remember the day my kids were born. Right. Um, but, that, but that ambush in Iraq for you got uh, stuck to a number and then you said yeah. you can actually feel it. Do you know how, what the mechanism is in that?
1: No, um, I'm sure there's signals and triggers um, as it builds up and gets closer to it. It's like you don't. Even, I don't even know what day it is half right. right. the time. Monday, Friday. Exactly. 21st, I don't I'm,
0: picture you knowing except, oh shit, in three days I have a diesel days, or oh shit, I need to be on this program for rowing in order to be ready to row across the Atlantic.
1: Yeah, I mean my calendar is always on the computer because I have to pull it back up. Like, oh, when is that? What day is it? But right, I just get this. So the 25th was a day of the ambush, and also coincidentally, Armin McCormick who was in the ambush. He's um, the godfather to my, my son. Um, he was with us through the, through the event. He was the driver of the vehicle. He, uh, his birthday is the 25th as well. It's Whoa, crazy. Oh, wow. Okay. Right? So you
0: got a lot of shit colliding.
1: Yeah. And um, you know, inevitably there'll be an Instagram post that I'm tagged in. And then because other people and historians, whatever, and then it, then it catches you, but just my body, like something, the power of the mind, I don't know the soul, the conscience, the, what it is but um you just start feeling it it's like man something's off something's weird like let me fight it and, and it is stop, tension stop it's tight t- it's it. tension mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then it just it's like oh yeah fucking the 25th is in three days four days it's like oh shit man and then, then once you have an awareness you start feeding it or building it or believing in sure. it and sure and i've decided that i just don't it's been much more healthy for me healthier for me whatever the way i'd say it uh to accept it instead of to fight it and just um hey i acknowledge it i accept it and then i control what i can control in it and create the safe space around it and then let it move through instead of trying to put walls up and spend energy on building the walls because inevitably that shit's stronger than the walls maybe maybe the walls are strong enough this year next year but man that energy is is resilient and it will continue to chip away, chip away until the walls aren't strong enough. Right. And so, uh, I've been much more successful in my self-management and regulation. When I acknowledge something, I accept it and I let it move, move through, um, control what you can control, you know, my environment,
0: that's a crazy lesson there uh, that you just said. So many people don't realize it. They think people think that their mind that created their problem can think them out of the problem. And instead, now they have two problems. So I'll give you a really mundane example. You, I'm, I've been following these Frisbee golfers. And there's a Frisbee golfer, so every time he misses a shot, he says, oh, motherfucker, or he says something out loud, or he goes, son of a bitch, or he has some he, – he actually says his, his negative talk out loud, right? Mm-hmm. And the commentator was like, yeah, he's trying to work on that. He, he, he recognizes it, and he's trying to get rid of it. The problem is if you start another story where you have self-talk and you talk shit, and now you have another self-story that starts up that you're trying to get rid of it, now you got two stories. That's not, the, the brain has to only does, it just tells stories and make shit, or you can accept it and move through it. Yeah. And, and, and if you can't accept it, you can, uh, if you can't accept the fact that you you can't accept it, then you have to accept the fact that you that you can't accept it. And yeah. it's just, keeps just, like looking into two TVs, right? Or the two mirrors. And yeah, you nailed it. You have, at some point you can't fight it anymore. There, is, that's not how it goes away. Mm-hmm. What, what, if you need something to go away, right? Yeah. It's, um, uh, Thoughts aren't like that. You're not going to nullify it with another thought.
1: No, you just have to learn to be able to process the thoughts in a in a, in a productive way. That's um. So I just right. launched the Hard Way Project that uh, went live, and um, that's a that's the big um, that's a big underlying uh, underpinning of, of what I'm trying to do with people to understand their mind. And I have this the hard I have way. My, yeah, the Hard Way Project. Um, I have my theory on, or the way that I do it. it it's not a theory. It's just hey, this is what I believe. I think the mind has a mind of its own. And um, it's, it's based off of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and who we are at the, at the, at the uh, genetic uh, level and our DNA and how we're built. And it's just uh, this mind's mind. It's a creature. It's an energy that talks to your mind. And when the thoughts pop up in your head that you wrestle, um, that's your mind's kind of synthesizing uh, what the mind's mind is trying to convince it to do, which is in direct opposition generally to us
0: as human beings um, with ambition and goals and growth, you know? And so... Um, Can you give me an example? What do you mean? Like it's making excuses for you not to do it? Like instead of working on, like spinning stories of fear, shit like that?
1: Yeah. You know, um, like say, you know, and I use I use working out. I use working out as, an, uh, as the place, as the arena to get the mind's mind to talk and manifest in your mind to convince you to do something. And then I teach the skills and techniques to be able to process that and understand, because you're never going to be firsthand privy to the conversation between your mind's mind and your mind. You just get the interpretation that your mind is giving you. So it's like you're doing something and you know, you get a little voice in the back of your head. Oh, you don't need to do that now. Like save that for later. Oh, that's not important. Or, oh, just take a break or, oh, have that have that chocolate bar, whatever the case may be. Right. Or, ah, you know, take a break, stop doing your set. Look at your phone,
0: look at your phone, see who texts you.
1: Yeah. Anything, you know, and and you know, your ambitions, your desires, like, Hey, that's not what's best suited for what I want to achieve right now. Right. But there's some other thing convincing me to seek safety or seek comfort. Right. Um, to, to indulge convenience. And so we try to, we try to fight that. And then that allows you to have greater ownership, right? When I say you, your mind's mind's part of you, but you like what you have in your heart, your values. We talked about that a lot last. I'm um, very, very value oriented, and um, you know your goals and your dreams, right? And so it gives you more ownership of those things, so that you can trust yourself more when when facing challenge or when you are trying to achieve something. It's like, hey, you're in the middle of a your marathon. It's like, oh, I just wanna I just wanna stop and sit down, my ankles are hurting, or whatever it is. And then next thing you know, you don't finish in the time that you want, or you don't qualify for the Boston Marathon, or you quit, and then four days later you're sitting in your chair and <laughs> you're you have regret or remorse or disappointment. And it's like, yeah, because you let your mind's mind convince you that safety, comfort, and convenience is is the priority for you right now. And that's in direct opposition of you pushing yourself to achieve. And so um it's it's the it's the bedrock of mediocrity. And so the that's bedrock. what we're doing with that. And um, I'm excited, man. But that's all the stuff that we're talking about, you know, that little voice in the back of your head, like what is that? You know a whole bunch of different people call it and, different and things. And how to deal and how to deal with it? Well, that's the big thing, right? Like, First, I want to create awareness that that's what's happening and understand right. how I process right. the process. Right. And then teach you some techniques to be able to to wrestle with that a little bit, to hedge your bets against it and develop to not necessarily defeat it, but, but win in the moment, right? And um, it's all about winning in the moment, winning in the moment. Hey, you know what? I should... I, I really feel like having a beer and then going to bed and putting on a, on a show. But I really know like I have to get up on my computer real fast and knock out these three emails. Oh, well, and the difference is, is you having a beer, going to bed and watching a show versus you doing what you know you want to do. Because I thought you said going to bed game. and
0: putting on a show. I was like, wow. Oh,
1: yeah. will we'll do that.
0: Too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I like what you said about becoming aware of it first too, because I think a lot of people aren't aware of their own little devil and so they're reacting to it. Right. They don't even hear, um, go check your phone. They're in the middle of a workout. Next thing you know, they are checking their phone. So I, the first thing is to become aware that like, Hey, you, you had to have had a thought before you moved over and derailed your shit mm-hmm. and you become aware yeah. of that.
1: And, 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 and in this simple case, right? Like it's okay. I'm aware of it now. Well, now I can pick a strategy to to, 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 to win against that happening. Leave your phone in the car really, really hard to, in the middle of a workout, go grab your keys, unlock yeah. your car, go to your yeah. car, get the phone, you know? And so we're teaching little techniques that you can do and use. Um, and there's, the world is, I mean, we're suffocated with everybody with their ideas. Um, half of them don't work. They're full of shit. And I try to think of what, what actually works for me, what I actually do and practice um, and share those things, you know, instead of it all just being well, bullshit that's out there. Right. It's right. not that there's not great stuff out there either. There is. But, you know, and, and another thing is why I don't call it you know, our own little devil is because I don't think the mind's mind is inherently evil either. Okay. I think it serves a purpose. And um, there's times when the mind's mind is trying to convince you to do something. And it's like, hey, but, but, but the, what's of import is you having a conscious and rational discussion with your mind and yourself instead of just blindly following there'll be times when you just blindly follow and those will be times of extreme circumstance. That's fine. That's when survival mechanisms kick in. But, um, for the most part, I don't want you to think that the mind's mind is evil. Um, it's, it's essential. It's part of us. You need to accept it. And it provides a little bit of balance, but you just don't blindly follow it.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't think I, I, well said, I don't think there's a reason to spin a story about it. Yeah. a, A narrative about it. Yeah. What, what, when you were, um, two years before you decided to row across the – it was two years before you jumped in the boat, right? You had this – somehow it came to you that you were going to row c- across the Atlantic, and then there was a two-year window before you got in the boat with your homies and started rowing. Is that right? Mm, that's about right. Yeah, two, two and a half. Did you – in those two years, did you um spin any tales um, that you remember of why you can't do it or why you're not going to do it?
1: Um. Not really. Like six months in, like, like,
0: hey, I'm not going to do this because you hear any of those startup? No, no, no. None of those really popped up because I think I spent a
1: lot of time on the front side deciding I want to do it. Like, hey, I want to do this. Um, There was a function of need as well, or, or how I phrased it is like, yeah, hey, I need to do this. I want to do this. Um, Other tales that were spun was how well are we going to do? Am I going to break down? Am I going to be the best teammate possible? in, in those stories, but it, there was never a doubt that I wasn't going to do it. And there was never a doubt that I wasn't going to finish
0: it. it um, it, and is, um, is that, do you do, is that, uh, is that all prep? Is that like self-manipulation? All of that, that, that talk, I need to do it. How you phrase stuff, how you, how you, how you talk to yourself. Is it like self-manipulation or, or is that psychological prep?
1: Yeah, I think I think it is. I don't think it's manipulation um, in in an ugly sense, right?
0: Um, no, no, no. And I didn't mean I it think like it's, that. Yeah.
1: No, no, it's okay. I I think it is. Um,
0: like how you would stack wood before you lit the match to it to make sure that when it goes up, you're right? It's, it's the preparation. Of wood so that it, yeah.
1: Okay, preparation. Yeah. Smart right? smart prep. Right. Psychological prep. Um, positive framing. Positive psychology. Growth mindset stuff. Um, that I that's what I mentor. So um, I mentor what I actually use and do for myself.
0: And then, and then that brings us to, to it. Why, how, how did that happen? Why, why would you, um, th- there's so many ways to cross the um, Atlantic. It seems like such an unconventional th- thing to do. There'd be so much other safer ways. Like, so you wanted to go on a run. You didn't run up Mount Everest. You fucking ran in a conics box. That seems safe. <laughs> you know, why, why you have kids, you have a wife. It it just doesn't seem um like a sound idea to me to row across uh the Atlantic Ocean. There's motors yeah. that could help you. There's motors. Yeah, for sure.
1: But then you know, right. safety takes away the um the excitement and the opportunity for, for the adventure
0: too, right? Like if you're constantly
1: trying to do it's save. just so
0: big. I, I wouldn't even yeah. consider it. If so I it doesn't even Sevon, you're gonna row across the Atlantic. No, I'm not. Like there's not even like a if you were to be like, hey, 7 I'm gonna, oh, we're gonna sleep, we're gonna, you're gonna come to my house in Colorado, we're gonna build an igloo, and we're gonna sleep overnight in it. It's gonna be cool. I'm gonna teach you how to stay warm, and you're, we're gonna do it naked. I'd be like, fuck, that's crazy, Tosh. Okay, I'll try that. Mm-hmm. There's, but, but, it, but I, I cannot row across the Atlantic. It's not. It can't even catch flame. It, it can't even for me. I, it doesn't even. There's nothing that that you I can't even. I would start immediately probably walking away from you if I thought you were serious even yeah I I'm think not, um, I'm not doing that
1: I you it's, know what I mean? it's too uh, yeah. big it's too big why why is it too big for you? Why it's is it too a,
0: impossible too unsafe for you? It, it's just it's a um it, 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 for for planet Earth, for where we are, for what I know, you're going to put yourself in in the most lonely, intense, unknown situation probably possible. I can't think of anything mo- more lonely or unknown than going out into the middle of uh, this rock, one of this rocks oceans. I mean, we call them oceans, but all the water's connected mm. going out into the, to the way, way unknown part. Right. Mm. I mean, we've been to the fucking moon, but there's parts of the ocean. We don't even know what's in the, our own fucking ocean. I
1: know. Right. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> I know it's n- <laughs> it's just nuts. And then to row it after so many men have, have have worked to make it so we don't have to row it. We can fly over it, we can get in a fucking giant aircraft carry that that a helicopter could bring you a bottle of Jack Daniels. I mean, there's like it's uh do you know why? Yeah, well, let me ask you this question like yeah.
1: Just because there's chainsaws doesn't mean that you don't pick up an axe and decide to just go chop a tree down
0: with an axe. I agree. I agree. You know, um, I agree. But I'm probably too. Now that you mentioned that, I'm probably. I would only chop down a tree with an axe out of absolute necessity because I would be afraid that that fucking thing would fall on me, that I'd do something wrong.
1: Right. Well, I mean, absolute necessity can be because you need the wood and you don't have a right. chainsaw, or no, absolute necessity right. could be because you need to shelter have and that fire experience. And, oh, okay. And for some for some emotional, psychological reason, right? And then you just need to have that challenge. And I would say that the ocean seemed so huge and big and like the safety thing and all the stuff that you're talking about is look at at your experiences that you have accrued through your lifetime in physical endeavors like this versus mine. And so for me, yes, the ocean was daunting. This was very daunting, um, but it was exciting. And it wasn't as abstract for me as it might be for you or for somebody else. And I could yeah, tell you that abstract. you could do it, Siobhan. I know you could do it, but that some total, you know, the, the, the repository of your work that you've done in, 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 sort of these things is much smaller than mine. So I have greater reference. Um, and it's not as much of a stretch goal for me as it might be for some other individual. Um, and that doesn't mean to say that the people that are rowing across the ocean right now, like Bernie's still on the ocean right now. I just got a ping today that he's uh, getting close. This guy, Bernie, he's Late sixties and he's um got this boat called the Boat of Hope and he's doing it for um for children. He left at
0: the same time you guys did?
1: Yeah, yeah, rowing solo,
0: all by himself. Um,
1: but he's he's really, oh really fueled God. and powered inside with oh purpose. Yeah, and his purpose is beautiful. Um, but
0: yeah, you he know, when the first food and water for that, how many days has he been out there?
1: Over a hundred, but I think they had to resupply him. Um, wow. I'm not sp- certain, but I think they had to, because they were taking so long. There's a, there was a hand, there was three boats still on the water as of maybe last week, one of one or two of them had finished. I think Bernie might be the last one out there, but, um, they've taken a lot longer than anticipated. So they, ha- I think they got to resupply, but,
0: um, he's a 60 year old man.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mid sixties.
0: I oh, think. would, would you do that? Man, there's
1: something in the back of my head saying, maybe that would be good for me. It's a little spooky, but the fact that it's a little spooky and I initially want to shy away from it, you know, flinch means maybe I need to think about it a little bit more instead of just um, blindly flinching and being okay with the flinch or the, the turning my back on it. So, you know, I think about it, but you know, there's a lot of other votes that get involved with undertaking huge endeavors like that, you know, like, what's the purpose? What's the reason? Am I, am I, you know, <clears throat> whatever. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's wickedly impressive. It's way more impressive than anything that we did as a team of four, you know, um, him out there alone, still out there doing it. It's, it's cool.
0: Um, you, you know, Serena Williams goes to tennis practice, right? Great, They say she's the greatest athlete, who ever, like greatest single sport athlete who ever lived. Hmm. No, no one's done what she's done in her sport and blah, blah, blah. Her, the people sing her praises like crazy. And then she goes to practice and if she's not failing, right? Sometimes you think if you're not failing, you're not getting better. Like that makes so much sense, right? Like if you're not trying to brush your teeth, if you're not trying to throw, do something with your left hand every day, then you're probably, you might not be getting better.
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a nitpicker because I like to make like I would I wouldn't use the word failing. Um but if you're not challenged, challenged. like if you're not pushing yourself up against your thresholds every single day, it it one and, one thing or 10 things or whatever, um you're not growing. And uh you know So if developing. you're not
0: failing a if you're not failing a bench press or a back squat or a if you're not trying to learn a new serve in tennis or like you, like you succeeded, you rode across, right? Mm-hmm. But you still grew as a person, but you didn't, but you didn't fail.
1: No. Uh, well, you know, we didn't achieve our goal and, and Hey, when you, when you don't complete a rep at the back squat, it's not a failure. I don't believe that. and I'm not just playing words and being cute. I, I don't call it a failure. I, I call it as an opportunity for awareness. It's uh okay, cool. 10 reps at X weight is just too much. I've only got nine to me. I've, I've just identified my limit.
0: But and if you're not doing that, you're not to push again to, to achieve that limit. I
1: don't call that a failure. You know, there are failures that we,
0: that we but have a failure. Of what I'm suggesting would be if you got all 10,
1: if I got all 10 and wasn't challenged and it was like, Hey, I could have got 12, but I stopped at 10. It's like, okay, well that wasn't a challenge. Maybe it was developmental. I don't know physically, but like, Hey, why not put five more pounds on that thing and try to do it for 10 and, and just constantly kind of push, kind of push, push. It's so like if you have the ability to do a hundred pound back squat, and that's all you do is hundred pound back squats. But you have the ability to do one hundred and eighty pound back squats. Is there any benefit for doing the hundred pounds? Maybe, but maybe the benefit's only this much. Why not do the one seventy and get this much? Why not try one eighty five and get this much? You know, um, I'm I'm a big fan of you have to be challenged. You you should seek challenge, not shy away from it. Don't try to do just the things that you're good at that you know that you can accomplish. Um, push yourself to be challenged. And then what that does is helps you identify, okay, what other resources do I need? Who else can I leverage for support? Um, or hey, maybe it's just a self-awareness. Like, I don't know what my limit is. If I've never tried to do it, I don't know to what degree I'm capable. Now, we don't want to create these challenges that are so far outside of our capability that we flounder. And then the the negative effects from not accomplishing what you set out to do is greater than the positives, right? So there's sort of, um, appropriate scaling if we're going to talk CrossFit, right. Um, there's no sense of putting, you know, your 80 year old mom and have her do Fran RX when she can barely do a freaking squat. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, let's scale this thing so that she's still getting the benefit and it's, and it's appropriate. It's going to push her. It's going to challenge her. Right. Um, so anyways, a lot of my thought processes really come from what I was presented to with Greg in the CrossFit community back when I first stumbled on CrossFit. It reinforced the way that I believed about things, but it really made, you know, listening to Greg talk at the seminars, really like the words that he uses and how he, how he defines things and articulates them. I was like, man, that is awesome. And, it in and, and that's just physical training, but man, it applies so much to where I'm really excited in leadership and and helping people in the in the psychological and emotional space as well.
0: Yeah, I took all that stuff and kind of uh converted it, put it through the transcoder ring to raising kids, right? Yeah. Like the, what he was saying, you could you could sort of adapt and start pointing anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. It makes but it so the, beautiful.
0: When when Um, Someone has the idea, right, you were talking about catching, uh, seeing those things, um, seeing that mind talk, right, that you might either just react to. Or uh, you know and we were using the cell phone as the example right you're in the middle of a workout and you go check your cell phone and then you decide you're, well you know what I'm going to do to mitigate that I'm going to put the cell phone in the car but now the benefit is is you don't check your cell phone but you catch yourself wanting to check your cell phone so now you become aware of the thought and that's a win right mm-hmm. and I always I always trip on tattoos like that too like hey someone wanted to get a tattoo how much thought did you how, did you try to watch and see where that thought came from Like, where did that come from that you want someone to take an impermanent thought and now make it permanent on your body? That's where did, what's the catalyst for that? Do you know as those examples, what the catalyst is for getting in a boat and rowing across the Atlantic? Can can you see what is the deepest place that you see it coming from?
1: Yeah, it's adventure. It's exploration. um, It's challenge it's um hey this is a little bit bigger than the last thing i did well a lot bigger um who am i who am i like always trying to figure out am i really who i think i am um me
0: explain that to me who am i like
1: yeah i like this um it was did it ever scare
0: you sorry Tosh, let me ask you did it ever scare you when you first heard it And that's why you embraced it. You saw here's, I'm going to speculate that maybe it scared the shit out of you, but you're programmed to embrace anything you see that scares the shit out of you to turn and face it like, fuck you. What?
1: Yeah. I wouldn't use word again. I won't use the word scare. Um, yeah. Okay. But, but it was spooky. It was like, Oh shit. What the, and I remember the conversation. Um, and again, it goes back to Dan taco. Yeah. I got an email from him saying, uh, somebody reached out. James reached out to Dan, and said, hey, do you know anybody that would be uh, have the ability to row across the ocean or something, Something do an, do an ultimate adventure with, with me and a buddy, Brian? And uh, Dan put them in touch with Chris Smith, myself, I don't know, a couple other people probably. And um, James reached out to somebody else and Chris's name came up, my name came up. So they interviewed us on a Zoom call, Chris and I we were talking like, yeah, hey, I'd love to do something. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in for something crazy, something big. Like, I thought we were going to design something, right? Like we were going to trek across the Rockies in the middle of winter or something, you know? And so, next thing you know, they're like, hey, "Well, have you ever heard about this race?" And I'm like, "No, I never heard about that row across the ocean. I've never heard anybody row a boat across the ocean." And then I started looking into it a little bit. and like, "Oh wow, that's man. I'm not, I'm not afraid of the ocean. I respect it. I've seen it." turn and do some wild things. I'm not a phenomenal swimmer. Uh, you know, my mind immediately went to those places and uh, I was like, huh, man, I wonder what's a possibility, you know, um, possibility. Could I, could I even do that? What am I going to benefit from, from doing it? Like, what am I going to learn about myself, about my, my, my best friend, Chris? And, um, so I agreed. And then we set the goal of trying to, you know, set a world record or win or whatever. And, um, but that was the allure, you know, there was some thought, and it was spooky, and it was a little bit of the unknown for me, and it was not super outside of a realm of possibility, although it was a little bit farther than uh, some of the other things that I've accepted to do and I was just like, yeah, well, I guess we're gonna we're gonna go for that um, <clears throat> and uh, so that's what kind of pulled me was yeah, it was it was a little spooky, it was a little out there, it was a stretch, it was an unknown, and man, I'd rather know that I can't do something than to wonder whether I
0: can or I can't, you know, when you deployed, um, did you ever write one of the, uh, do, do soldiers write letters? Um, like dear mom and dad, if I don't like, and you put, like, if you die, a die letter and then you put it in an envelope and then they, they, is, is that real? Is, it's that real. Yeah. I didn't,
1: I wrote one letter, um, <clears throat> like, that? like that to my wife at the time, um, Cause I was a brand new father and uh, I just wrote one, I wrote one letter and, uh, that was, I only did that once for all my deployments or everything like that. And, um, I really didn't have a lot of time to write during my deployments anyways, pretty, pretty busy, but,
0: um, I did did write, do they ask, do they ask you to write that? I've been in
1: different units where leadership has like encouraged it. And I've been in units where it was like, whatever, you know, you do your own flavor and everybody's got their own belief on whether it's good or it's not good or this or that. Um, some people like, Hey, write yourself a letter. You know, I've heard that. and I thought that was really cool. Like write yourself a letter and um, put it in an envelope. And then it's, it's, it's it, to me, that's a little more powerful, but, um, but yeah, I, I wrote one letter and it was when I went to uh, Iraq for OIF no, it was I don't
0: know what day that was. Two thousand. Do you still have that letter? Uh,
1: I might. I never gave it to her because uh, I came back you and didn't I, was die. Like, yeah, I didn't didn't need to didn't need to give it to her. I think it's yeah. in my. I've got a little uh, ammo can that's got a bunch of shit in it that is just locked up and thrown in the back of the closet. Um,
0: Did you write one of those for uh, um, uh, when you when you row across the Atlantic? No, no. Did no. you think about writing one? No. Um do you think that maybe when you said bye to your kids or to Nicole that they thought that that they thought it might be the last time they see you? I'd have to ask Nicole that. I know she was a
1: little bit anxious. You know, her and Andrea both were a little anxious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they originally didn't want us to do it. Chris and I Dude, I, do it. I so um, don't want my wife doing that. So don't want It's my funny wife that you say that because it's something we joke about when I did the container challenge. Yeah. Um, I right? so or, don't
0: want my wife doing that either because something psychologically could happen to you in there too that you, maybe you don't come back from.
1: Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I've been with Nicole for so long, and she knows me, and have have been through these things. And um, but we were in Tahoe, up at Squaw, and in these boxes, and they were out, and her and um, you did another that at wife.
0: Elevation, you ran in that box at, in in Tahoe. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it's Squaw. It was pretty cool. I have to forget what cr- elevation we we're at eighty five
0: or something. You ran in there for twenty four hours.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's nuts. Okay,
0: sorry, go on. No, it's okay.
1: And so. Nicole was outside with one of the other wives and two of the girlfriends. And, um, we joke about this all the time. And they were, they were having a conversation. Oh, I'm so worried about so-and-so. I'm so worried about so-and-so. And And Nicole's like, what do you mean? Like, I know exactly where he is. He's in a container right there. Not in the middle of (laughs) Patagonia with no, no comms. There's a camera on him. They're monitoring him. He's the safest he's ever been for any of these adventures. And, uh, she was able to sleep well. Um, whereas the other, the other ladies, they're, that was new for them. It was a new experience for them, you know, and in Nicole's mind, this is the safest Tosh has ever been for the, some of the shit that he's done. Um, and then now fast forward to do this row, her and Andrea, Chris's wife is like, yeah, they really didn't want us in their hearts to do it. They were anxious, um, probably scared, um, but they're also such beautiful partners that, you know, they supported us when we made the decision to go um, after talking about it. And, you know, you, hey, you know, you have to do all your your things to, uh, you're obligated to do for your partner, like to help them be more comfortable with what you're doing and share with them your training and the safety protocols and the comms and all, all this other stuff to help relieve some of their concerns. That's that's good partnership. Right. And um, I don't know if she ever thought I wasn't never going to come back or something bad was going to happen. Um, I
0: never would thought that. T- and she would she would probably keep that to herself if she did
1: we communicate pretty well. Um, she would communicate to me so that she could be better. And I would receive that knowing that she needed to communicate that. Right. And um, she also doesn't communicate certain things that she knows might have a negative effect on me performing for me. Not yeah, that's
0: what I was thinking. Right. right? I, I'll save that. I'll write this down and tell him when he gets back. Mm-hmm.
1: So like we had a, we had a talk before I went, I want no news. I want no bad news. When I get out on the row, I'll get it all when I get
0: back. And, you, you told her that, yeah. And like, and, don't tell me our dog got eaten by a bear. Yeah, um, I don't want to know anything. Okay, right. You, you cut your Chris, finger off in the kitchen. Just put, just get that shit taxidermy. And I'll look at it when I come back. Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Smart move. And
1: well, now and then, Chris had a different strategy. He was like, "Well, I would rather know because I know that that's better for my wife to share it." for me and <laughs> I can, do I can manage it. <laughs> and if something happens, I want I want them to know that I'm okay. And, uh, yeah. and I'm like, okay, hey, cool. And, and I've respected that. It got me thinking about it yeah. a lot. And yeah, I really it
0: totally got me thinking just now. I'm like, God, I'm a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: I'm being selfish because I don't want to know anything. Yeah. Whereas Chris was being selfless and it was yeah. like, well, if she feels like she needs to tell me something, I want to be strong enough. I banged, your br- I banged your brother. <laughs> <laughs> you always go there. <laughs> so, and, and funny enough, two days before, well, it was three days before I found out um, before we were starting the row. Um, our dog Theo just got really sick. We didn't know she had some cancers and it just, just exploded. And she, her health went boom. Two days before your <laughs> departure. Yeah. Three, uh, three days I found out. And then we, we had to put her down and um, you had one of those giant white dogs, right? What is it? Great. Yeah. A Merima, uh, basically a great Pyrenees. Okay. And she was, man, I was so close to her and connected. I mean, and uh, it was hard for her to tell me. She didn't know whether to tell me or not tell me. And she was going through, through some some things. And I felt it when I was talking to her, texting her and I was like, Hey, like, you sure you want to know? I'm like, well, yeah, like, let's go. I'm not on the boat yet. Let's deal with it. And so I had to go through with euthanizing our dog, while I was on video. Never got to say goodbye. Just felt felt horrible. Feel horrible still. Like there's a big void in my life right now. And also knowing that it was good that I decided to be involved so that I could be a support structure. Yeah, for her, so that she didn't have to keep it in for who knows how long. I'm going to be on the ocean, you know. And so it is actually interesting that. even though I didn't want to know anything while I was rowing right before going, we (laughs) dealt with it. Um, And then we just trusted that my ability to compartmentalize process, manage, that I would be able to set that here and have it not affect my rope. And, And that's where Nicole was concerned. She didn't want it to affect me while I was on the ocean when I needed to be good. Yeah. And, um, and that's one thing that we practice in our life. I mean, we do, it's, 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 it's habit is we never say, Hey, okay. Hey, be safe. Right. I don't want you to be safe. I want you to be good. Mm. Right. I want you to be smart. And when I tell my, my kids goodbye or they're getting ready to get in the car and go someplace, hey, drive safe. I don't tell them to drive safe. I tell them to drive smart because I think if you're smart, safety's nested in that. And I would rather you be smart than safe. Um, and so it's just something that I've habituated in the, my life, in the lives of the, my immediate uh,
0: family and friends. And we just don't say be safe and be smart. Hey, be when good. my when my kids climb i always say to them man your hands are strong instead of don't fall wow right? yeah it's, i cannot I mean, your hand god you guys always impress me with how much confidence you have in your hands i mean mm-hmm. really inside i'm scared shitless right it's but i do believe that but i do believe that they have incredibly strong hands mm-hmm. they've been hanging and climbing their whole life you know from gymnastics rings and shit but i do want to say don't fall but i quickly convert it you're right like, don't fall. What the fuck I learned does that. that
1: mean? I learned this phrasing, <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. And the, the whole, hey, you know why you forget your car keys? is because you said, hey, don't forget your car keys. Instead of saying, oh. hey, remember your car keys. And then you're going to remember your car keys. And it's crazy. Just that subtle, mundane little it's about car keys, right? Or, hey, don't forget it's your mom's birthday tomorrow. Oh, shit. Guess what? And then you forget. It's like, hey, right. remember it's your mom's birthday tomorrow. Oh shit. So you're, and, it, and you know what? It's crazy. Cause it's right with uh cueing at the level one seminars in CrossFit, right? Don't say, Hey, pff, your back is all bendy, bendy. Say, Hey, pff, tighten your abs, you know, or whatever you give a cue that affects positive, right. Of what you want them to do instead of reinforcing what they're doing or reinforcing what you don't want them to do. Cue the direction you want to go. It's riding a bike, you know, you're riding a bike and you're trying to ride on this white line, there's a steep cliff off to the right hand side and there's massive traffic on your left hand side. And so you're riding your bike, you're riding your bike and you're looking to the right like, oh shit, I don't want to go down there. And while you're looking down there, (laughs) you start going in the direction that you look and then you're driving and you're riding and you're looking to the left and like, oh shit, like don't go into traffic, don't go into traffic and inevitably you swerve into traffic. Look where you want to go
0: motorcycle you know. riding or, you know, in bikes, when you're on those bike trails and there's the steel pole as you cross the street, Yeah, like never look at the pole, like, right. No. Look between them. But someone has to tell you that.
1: Yeah. Be like, aware I, no, Be I didn't aware figure that before. out
0: on my own. Someone's like, Hey, don't look at the pole. You'll hit it. And I'm like, where should I look in between? Oh, no shit. Yeah. yeah. And then you just go perfectly through. You don't even, it's like magic. Your, your body, your, there's, there's this energy in here that just guides you. It.
1: I mean, I've learned yeah. it in archery working with John Dudley, Um, it's, it's Mark McGuire visualizing, um, when he was home run smashing, um, you, you listen to people that walk tight ropes across the grand Canyon. It's like, Hey, I'm not looking where I don't want to go. I'm aware, right. I'm not ignoring it, um, or being ignorant to it, but I'm looking exactly where I want to go. You want to walk a straight line, look the straight line that you want to walk, you know? Um, and and that's in the physical world. And I started to make the tie-ins and the connections to the psychological space as well for emotions, moods, feelings, values, all these other things Um, look that direction. It's, it's power positive psychology is all, all wraps up into,
0: you know, just um, I was always good at um, uh, crumpling up a piece of paper. I was the least athletic kid I ever knew. But if we, if I was in a room and people were crumpling up pieces of paper and trying to throw them like into a can or something, I always won that game. And I don't know how I won it, but I knew one thing. I had never thought about how I threw the paper. I just looked, I just trusted my eyes. Do not take your eyes off exactly where you want to go. I just walked into a a Jamba juice the other day and these kids were shooting from like 10 feet away and I had my three boys there. I go watch this. And I was like completely on the other side. I shot it over these high school boys head into the trash and everyone's like, Holy shit. My kids are like, how do you do it? I'm like, I don't know, but I never take my eyes off the target Mm -hmm. ever. Just there's the hole. Yeah. just trust you. I just have faith that my hand and my shit will do it. Yeah. That's cool. I wish I would have been taught that earlier. I didn't learn that kind of shit until I was maybe my late twenties. Yeah.
1: I don't think I learned it until after you, I'm a slow learner, but <laughs> it really, it really started to come into home when uh, I picked up archery and going through that and getting mentorship from Dudley. And it was, you know, it's, it's not, I'll oh, visualize the shot. I mean that's cool and all.
0: Yeah, I don't do that. But I don't have any abilities like
1: that. Yeah, my mind doesn't work that way. It's it's like, hey, don't you don't say, Oh, I hope I don't miss this shot or oh, I hope I don't put it in the guts. It's like, hey, look exactly where you want that arrow to go. Yeah. That's the last thing you should see when the string breaks. And you know what? All of my shots that are that I feel the best about, that's exactly yeah. what happened. You know, and it's this process of training your you're, it's the hand-eye coordination. It's the it's the harmony of everything that's going on, in your your body, your mind, like these these pathways that we're not even aware exist that are pulling information in that your your subconscious is collecting for you to be successful. It's making the corrections. Don't sit there and concentrate. Oh, well, the wind's blowing so hard left to right or whatever. Like, look exactly where you want the arrow to go. Like, make your decision where to hold over or whatever. But focus on that and let all that other stuff disappear and the rest of you is just going to take over and your shots gonna be brilliant. And I've watched, I've watched him. I've watched Kevin Wilkie do some amazing things. I got to tell you the story. So Kevin Wilkie, another pro archer um, medalist at the world games. Yeah, we bring him down to our, um, uh, one of the charity things that we do, um, of, for a vet hunt for veterans. And, um, they get a bow, a custom bow by Hoyt. They get custom instruction from Kevin Wilkie. We go out on the range and then we go, go hunting. We're out on a range day shooting this 3d target. It was a velociraptor, actually a really big target. And we put up two is this? Where is this? Down in Texas. I take them. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Um, there's a three inch pasty that we put on it's bright orange and we stick it where we want everybody to shoot. We were off like 75 yards or 80 yards or something. We're all shooting That's far, right? That's far. Yeah. It's a good stretch, especially for a lot of first time shooters. Um, but that just, you know, demonstrates the quality of instruction that Kevin gives. And uh, he puts one in at 11 o'clock, right just inside the ring of the pasty. So at 80 yards in a three inch circle, wow, he's right on the edge boom. We go up, we pull the arrows, we're coming back, we're talking, whatever. And I like, I bet you five bucks, you can't put it in the exact same hole. You can't do it again. And, uh, he looked at me and I'm like, no, I mean, exact same hole, not touching, not half in half out, exact same hole. And we thought, he's like, you could just see this shift in him. I've seen it in Dudley when he was doing some instruction force. I see this just shift. Uh, I've seen it in other professional athletes when all of a sudden boom, they go into like game mode. I've seen it in the battlefield. And so we get back there. He draws and he's looking and I'm thinking he's getting ready to shoot. And then he like, he does this other breath and he just leans into it and then he releases and he just looks at me and he smiles. I'm like, fuck, you didn't do it. We walk up there and no shit. Savon. he put a second <laughs> arrow in the exact same hole. Well, that's, that's kind of vulgar. <laughs> right. He put a second arrow in the exact same hole as the first arrow. no, Completely exactly right. And I was just like, Whoa! And we talked about it, and we talked about the psychology and the things and stuff like that. And he was just like, What happened when I thought you were going to release? And he's like, Yeah, that's funny. You said that because I thought it was there, but I could do better. And so I just leaned into it one more time and really focused in on that hole, not this hole this yeah. hole yeah and then boom he did it and i was like whoa it was wild
0: does anyone know why that works
1: you know dudley says it because um when, when you get to that state you you trust your body and everything and it's and again it's absorbing all these signals that we're not even aware of. your subconscious right. and then it's like hey mm, and, it, and then when it releases your body was doing things to make it exactly perfect um that you're not even aware of um it takes a lot of training a lot of practice right um and a whole bunch of other things reps on reps on reps I mean he's what a about faith archer,
0: Do you think faith plays a role in it I do belief You ever use that word Do you use that word Faith I use ever? the word belief belief yep. yep Why don't you use faith Just out of curiosity Not not mm-hmm. and I might I might challenge you I'm just yeah, curious no. if there's something what you think about that word
1: uh, I think I think faith is uh, to me You know I'm a word weirdo um, Me too it has me to too. do with uh, like some spiritual something un like just kind of fucking out there. I don't know. just blind. It's just, it's sort of blind and you have to do it. I think there's a place yeah. for it. Um, but
0: complete trust or confidence in something. Yeah.
1: And, and usually I, I, when I look at faith, I, I kind of tie it to religion,
0: right. You know, um,
1: and I'm, yeah, that's I'm what I'm thinking. Do you think it
0: cultivates faith? Um, those type of practices that you just well, mentioned? Well, would you say you rather you have faith in yourself, or do you say you have belief in yourself? In myself, I have belief,
1: right? And that's but why. Maybe in
0: belief. the outside world, I think I have faith—faith faith in things that
1: you don't know, don't have control.
0: Yeah, th- things I don't have control in, over. Yeah,
1: you know, it's blind faith, right? Like I don't well, know—is yeah. is God real? Like, right. but you just have to faith, like, right. oh. Eh. I'm 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 much more. I like to use the word belief because I believe I, I think that it's more like hey I believe in myself and and maybe I'm not I'm obviously I'm not Webster, so you know he can define the words that he wants to, but I pick and choose certain words and to use certain words because of the impact and the effect that it has for me in the way that I process and do things.
0: It's, it's 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 an interesting thing. I feel like through so much belief, I've started um, uh, the byproduct of it was I cultivated faith.
1: Hmm.
0: I think about that a little bit. So like much just, belief
1: that it's cultivated faith.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it goes back to that question. I'm not sure how it. I'm not sure how things are working, but they seem to just always be working out as long as I believe they're going to work out.
1: Hmm.
0: But I, but sometimes it's kind of like holy shit that went in the same hole again. Yeah. And it's like you see it so many times, and you start to maybe uh, maybe it's just a placeholder for something that I just can't get my head around because I don't have an explanation for it. That could be it.
1: When I'm getting ready to make my shot, and I think that I'm getting ready, the arrow's going to break. It's like I believe I believe this is going to go right there. I don't necessarily think like I have faith, but maybe maybe the two words are just so close and synonymous. So I just keep them. I just keep them separated for reasons that maybe I'm not articulating quite well
0: when you, um, if, if you want to be a, uh, a yoga instructor, you have to do like, um, yoga training, uh, certifications, right. And then mm-hmm. like you, you do one in India, it's like backbending. And then you do one in, you know, in tell up in the mountains and it's like different poses and you go and, and you know what I mean? You learn all the, then you go to one in Newport beach, California, it's on breathing and, and you accumulate, <clears throat> you accumulate all of these uh, certificates so that you can uh, teach the, the, the yoga. For you, that, that, that sail across the Atlantic, I think was, uh, a seminar for you. I was thinking, I like that. I like it that. was, it was a, um, it was, it was like, uh, what are they called? C continued educate, CEU continued Edu, or CET continued education training that mm-hmm. you have this, you have these things that you do. Um, uh, like the one we just talked about, um, the hard way project, yep. um, there are these things that you're involved with and that was uh, continued education training that it really, it was that even before it was being um, successful, like you have to maintain a certain level of challenges and experiences that you have to put yourself through for you to be potent in your and, and reputable and competent, potent, reputable and competent in your day job. And relevant and yeah, credible. Right, I relevant. Yeah. Deal with I'm not saying consciously you do that, but at, at, at how old are you? You're 50, 45? 48. Yeah, 49 48. here coming up. Yeah. At 48, I th- I was thinking, oh, he realizes that now his, while other people were doing all these other classes and this so that they could be a yoga teacher, your life has become, oh, shit, you did all of these things that maybe just happened out of blind faith that allowed you then to come to the present and teach these, uh, what you need to teach now. I mean that—that's what you are, right? You're this accumulation of some uh, of challenges and difficulties and hardships and skills that now you're you've turned into a um, a class for sharing, right? A professionalized.
1: Yeah, I like that. Um, digging in a little because it's something that I've been working on, exploring, understanding, and um, I wrestle with self doubt. I wrestle with um, being relevant and credible and, you know, we're, we're so suffocated by so many other people that are sharing shit. I'm like, That's fucking full of shit. That's bullshit. They don't have half the fucking experience. And then there's like this, oh, well, and then I, is that ego coming in now? Um, and there's judgment and ego and, and I don't like that. And I'm always, and I have, I've had this saying for a long time, um, back from when I was an instructor at the Air officers course. And it was, um, <coughs> don't believe your own bullshit. Like, okay. Hey, so you did it once or you did this. That doesn't give you complete expert or authority and in, in all these things. Um, you don't know if it was luck or not or whatever, you know? And I, I just, these things bounce around to me and say, like, Hey, who, what are, who are you trying to, what are you trying to prove and who are you trying to prove it to and why in those conversations, questions and conversations are in my head all the time. And it's like, well, why do you keep doing these things? And it's like, well, I want to, I don't want to be that guy that just says what I used to do 20 years ago. Like I still do it. I believe in it. I believe in it so much. And, and I want to be credible and well, you have so much credibility. And, you know, I did a, I did a podcast with um, Sherwood and Boz, Oh, like two weeks ago. And Pat said, Hey, Tosh, could you write down a list of all the shit that you've done?
0: And I'm like, yeah, Oh, I was I had thinking had that too. started
1: and I started yeah. writing them down and I saw yeah. this list and I was building this list. I'm this like, is before you shit. went on the
0: podcast.
1: Yeah. He, um, uh-huh. he said, Hey, just, I just want to get an idea. And I started building that list out and I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. And then I started thinking like, how did, what was the progression? Because you look at all these things, you're like, Oh my God, this, this, and this. Well, it's, it's, it's more recent in the progression. It's constantly building up, building up, building up, building up. And man, you got more credibility across these things in this domain than anybody i've talked to and it's like yeah i, I guess i like how come i didn't know him? well i don't have 48 you're 48, it. You're know, 48. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't make my experiences better than anybody else's It just make them yeah. mine and they're unique to yeah. me uh yeah. in the, in the combination and the collection of them and the way that i think makes them unique to me and um sharing the lessons and the learn learnings that i've had along the journey is is important um and again like It's not a comparison to other people as much as it's like, hey, this is mine and this is how I've done it and processed it. And this is my resume, so to speak. You have different ones. And maybe I'm attractive to you, this audience, and you're attracted to this audience or that audience is attracted to you. And there's space for it all, you know. Um, And so, but I started looking at that and I'm like, man, like, when are you going to start believing in yourself? Like, when are you going to stop wrestling with, are you this or are you that? Um, and just start sharing and so that was um a big a big piece for me with the hard way you know and and you know obviously conversations with bill henniger and 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 he's just an amazing dude in his support what do you mean but,
0: conversations um, does bill talk
1: oh yeah yeah he talks to me. <laughs> yeah he's awesome he's he's he is fucking awesome um but anyways i don't know where i was going with that but that's I do. The I joke, a joke by the way
0: that's the joke. with. So that was the joke my wife would always uh, tell herself, you know, my, my and I know about that yoga stuff because my wife did all, uh, you know, uh, there's a weekend certificate here. There's a one month course here. And it's always like, hey, um, oh, I just need one more course. I just need one more. And, th- and then I can teach. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is like, um, people go to the police academy, but then you, you're not really a competent police officer and as human beings, we need to be compassionate towards this. This is part of just being in a civilization and understanding shit. You you need three years on the job. Same Mm -hmm. with being a lawyer. You graduate from law school. I mean, you're not really, I mean, you need five years of fucking courtroom experience. And that's how, um, yeah, you have all of this experience, life experience. And now it's time to share it. That's what I, I, I bring this up to you because that's exactly what I feel like I did 50 years on planet Earth. And now somehow I'm parlaying that into. I mean, God bless the fucking internet and podcasts and, 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 and social media for that. Yeah. But we're surrounded, Tosh, by this group of people. Who is saying stuff and people are believing it, but they're not showing it to you. I'm giving you, giving you an example. Um, I, I, I'm 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 Tosh and being vulnerable is very important. And that is where you dip into power. And I just want you to know that my life isn't perfect, and um, th- things can get hard, and and I persevere through them, and and then you go on for 15 minutes. And, 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 and that that is what we're swimming in, that fucking – when I go somewhere, they don't make me feel comfortable. I still don't know anything. But when you tell me I'm about to get on a fucking boat to cross the Atlantic and my dog died and I see a tear going down your face and you're like, I still haven't processed it. I don't need you to tell me that um, being vulnerable is important. I don't need you to tell me that you're vulnerable. I didn't watch a 20-minute YouTube video on you telling me you're vulnerable. I just got it. Mm-hmm. And what I think that um, what I heard you describing is something that I've been just watching all around me, and, and, and I'm perplexed at how many people fall for it. They're just being told bullshit. Yeah, they're just they're. It's like, hey, so what if you're vulnerable? I want to. I want. I want to sh- see it. Give I want fu- like, to fuck. Like I want to see that you're real. It's it. not enough. Yeah, it's not enough. Oh my God, Tosh is so real. How do you know? Because he told me he's real. Fuck you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Show me. Don't tell me. Yeah. yeah. I saw this motherfucker on a podcast, put a chew in and start to cry when he said his dog died. Oh, you know, that's real. Mm-hmm. Not, um, I'm a perfect paragon of health and I'm very emotionally available to my wife. Fuck off. Right. Like you're not a fucking paragon of health. You haven't shown me shit. And, uh, I have no idea. Bring your wife on here. Let me talk. Let me ask her some questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I who's, just, who's uh, even worse are the individuals
1: that recognize that and that they're shallow in those regards. And then they they contrive opportunities to show you and they manipulate what they're showing oh, you oh, oh, in order to oh, reinforce what they're saying, oh. even though it's a charade, right? right, um, right I'm going to show you that I'm running this this pace and I'm, hey, be hard, motherfucker, whatever, and I'm running this and, and you know, whatever. But, but they're very select snaps of what I'm going to choose to show in order oh. to manage your perception of me, uh, manipulate, right?
0: even even look at the Ju- juicy smollett thing i mean uh, if you want to just show it, another kind of crazy version of that he hired people to um, because did you ever see the chris rock um stand up
1: no but i, I know what you're talking about with uh, the smollett case yeah
0: so he says there's four ways to get attention right now and 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 then recently i was just learning about we, we are in an a, attention economy it's so hmm. weird man i that it, makes sense it we're we people are some people if if you get sucked up into this people you better fucking get out you will you will eventually uh it will lead to suicide I'm telling you you do not want people to be in control of your uh, mental health or your values but basically he says there's four ways to get attention um show your ass. Um, do something infamous. That's like, you know, release a sex tape, you know, that's like the old days, like how Paris Hilton got um, famous mm-hmm. right before social media and stuff. Um, be really good at something, you know, uh, row, ac- you know, row across the Atlantic or, um, you know, invent, uh, Tylenol, I don't know, aspirin. Uh, and then four is play the victim. Those are the four ways you get. And yeah, the Drissy Smollett thing is crazy. Like he fabricated you know, some people are fabricating their workouts. This guy was going to fabricate a fabricate a scene of being a victim. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to have you call me uh, racial slurs and make fun of my sexuality, and then put a noose around my neck. <laughs> I'm just <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> this is what's wrong with this people. Is, this is this is crazy. Yeah. This is like this is like um uh um. It, like five years ago, that was satire, right? Where like you 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 take a baby carriage and you put it at the top of a hill and you slide it down to get attention, but there's no baby in it, and everyone panics and the jokes on them because there was no baby and it. it was just a doll that bounced out. Now hmm. people are like really trying to like catch the baby and be like, I saved the baby. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I you know, hey, we're facing a gun crisis. We're facing. um uh, identity crisis we're facing, yes, yes. um, obesity crisis, crisis, chronic disease crisis, trust crisis. crisis, yes, you know all what? We're crisis not, yes. Those aren't crises. We're facing a mental health crisis. Yes. And the, yes. these are all symptoms of that. Uh, and I, and I believe that, you know, um, anyways, let me, let me pause there. I know we're going to go, but I just heard a, I just watched a clip on Instagram. It was a Mark Twain, um, video. I don't know why I'm saying this now, because I think there's something else going on. Uh, he said, you take 100 black ants and 100 red ants, you put them in a jar, you mm. put the lid on it, and what do you think they're going to do? They're going to fight, they're going to go to war, they're going to try and kill each other. They don't. They just live in harmony. They're fine. Now, put 100 red ants and 100 black ants in a jar, shake it up, mm. and set it down. What happens? <laughs> they start to attack each other violently. Yes. Well, what's going on? Well, the red ants think that the black ants are the aggressor, and the black ants think that the red ants are the aggressor. Yeah. But really, if you take a step back and you stop who was the aggressor? You, the person shaking the jar. Right. That's the world we live in right now. Let's identify who's shaking the jar. We don't have a problem with men versus women, you know, um sexual orientation versus sexual orientation, old versus young, black versus white. We don't have that. There's something else and it's somebody somebody on the outside or a group of bad actors on the outside are shaking this jar that we're all in and it's making us attack each other to their benefit. Right. In, in the case of the ants, and maybe it's for science, maybe it's for some sadistic pleasure, but in our world, you know, it's it's hard not to believe that it's not a power and a financial, if not, those two are very, you know, wed together, um, these aggressors, and we need to stop fighting each other and pointing fingers at each other that, Hey, this is the, cause it's not, it's something else. And we need to rally against that by staying in harmony with each other. You know, um, it's, it's, I it got me thinking that that's, uh, I was just saw that yesterday, maybe two days ago. And it's been on my mind ever since. Um, I think it's related. I, I totally drifted our
0: conversation. No, 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 the, no. It's, crisis, it's, it's fantastic. But, i want to propose that simultaneously that that even I, I want to propose this to you. remember how we were saying like if you have a thought you 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 can't clear uh uh cure it with another thought that you have to like accept this you, have, you, have, you there's situations you have to accept and, and and let them move through you i want to propose to you that even if that is true, even if we find out that the jar has been shaken, the good news is at the end of the day, we have individually control to be a good aunt and not be a bad aunt because someone tells us we have to be a bad aunt. Mm-hmm. And I, I was, we were, I was talking about this on the show yesterday. I think a huge part of, I, I truly think I'm onto something here. I think mental illness, that there is some ratio of taking responsibility for yourself versus blaming others that leads to mental illness. So, so someone who's taken complete and utter responsibility and accountability for themselves is enlightened. And there, there is a uh, uh, just pure happiness. And someone who is blaming and always looking on the outside world, once you cross a certain threshold and you've given away that much control, you are now mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that there's some sort of ratio there. So as much as that what you're saying might be true that's happening, we can't give, if we give away that power, then we can identify it but then still not blame them or need them to stop in order to take control and fix the problem.
1: Yeah, but I, by I identifying them, it helps inform our decision-making yeah, processes yeah, and behaviors.
0: Yeah. Right? If I find out that you're telling some guy, hey, call Sevon every day, tell him he's a midget and a piece of shit, and, um, and I find out it's you, at the end of the day, I still have to be like, hey, I'm not a midget and I'm not a piece of shit. And I know it's Tosh calling the guy and telling him to say that to me, but, but at the end of the day, it's still me. Mm-hmm it's it's gonna stop with me and and if i give away that control or that um maybe control is not the best word that power
1: hmm.
0: to be of, of who i am it goes back to what you were saying before we know who the real we know who the yeah yeah ownership or we know who the real badass is the badass is the guy who's just in total control right of himself and like when mm-hmm. he's going to yeah then if you give too much of that away it, it leads to mental illness and that and those are those people are so unhappy we all know them all around us right they've given away so much fucking they've outsourced their observation their authority their self control they've just outsourced it all i need these pills this injection i need to do this i need to wear these clothes i need to make this post and it's like fuck <laughs> like i hang out with you and i just know you, you're quackadoodle <laughs>
1: And it doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't no, make, no. make him a bad person at all. Um, no, it just it just no. is like, hey, they need they need some help or they need some guidance or they just right. or they're just lost a little bit. They need to be right. found.
0: Um, when when you're when you're out at sea, um, I, I usually feel like I have to earn this question. I'm just gonna um go there. Maybe I have earned it. Maybe I haven't. But was there a point? Is there a, d- a definitive point for you that was your uh? I don't know if lowest is the right word, but um, most insecure. Was there a point that stands out to you as like where you wanted to give away your power? Like, like your your hardest point? You wanted to like blame. You wanted to. Hmm. Like you felt almost like you felt like power was draining off of you and you'd be like, whoa, 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 pull shit to pull your shit together, dude. There's no one coming for it. There
1: was no point during the row that i wanted that or that i allowed myself to go down that road
0: awesome. i think there was wow.
1: points on that row that it started to creep up mm-hmm. and there was some time component before i realized that that was happening and i said no and and and, and refused it um the row for me was exceptionally why, why say hard. no why say no Because I'm the ownership piece, the same thing that we're talking about. It's like my mind is going towards this or going towards that, and or it's placing blame, or it's wanting to be a victim, or it's wanting to yield. Um, I never wanted that. I never had something going on for me so big that I would want that in order to make this valid and okay. Like I refused all of that. Um, Refused it because it wasn't good. It wasn't honest. It wasn't productive. It wasn't aligned with goals, values, and they were just ugly thoughts that pop in. We, I, I, we all have, every human being has ugly thoughts pop in. Right. Ugly, ugly, ugly. That's the devil. Um, that's an evil thing. We all have it. And we're all on our different growth curves to be able to keep that in check, keep it in the cage. And, um, some people better than others. And so, um, the hardest part for the row for me, wasn't physical, nothing with that. There was times that were hard, but paling in comparison to this inside my head of wanting to be the best teammate, wanting to control those thoughts that were trying to seep outside of the cage or the mind's mind trying to work against me. Um, I spent an inordinate amount of internal resources thinking about these things and trying to be the best possible teammate and,
0: during, pushing the trip, and during the trip.
1: Yeah. It was exhausting, exhausting managing relationships and team dynamics and personalities and the ebbs and the flows of moods and, and everything. And just trying to be here, 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 here. And there was times when I would start to drift and maybe it was five seconds, maybe it was instantaneous, maybe it was 10 minutes um, before it was like, oh, well, wait wait a minute, put that in check. Let's let's process this and let's implement some corrections here and move on. And I'm very, very proud, which is hard for me to say. I usually don't say this. Um, I'm working with my relationship with pride um, to say that it never went on for very long at all. Um, I was able to have tremendous and I failed once and,
0: uh, uh I wasn't What's the that person that like? I you, wanted to be. You yell at someone.
1: Yeah. I was a little aggressive. Um, yeah. and there was, uh, a little snap like and recognizing outrage. that a snap happened and it was like, oh fuck. And then didn't correct it. And, and then there was also like, Hey, I was, I thought I was doing this and it was having the intentions were pure and good, but it wasn't the right um it wasn't the right manner to to do what i was trying to achieve and it was having a, a negative effect on somebody and then a couple of days later that person erupted and had a lash out and it was like oh fuck i was thought i was so aware in this whole time i was doing these things cuz i thought it was having this effect and it was having an opposite effect and i was really really down on myself for not having realized that and been able to auto-correct on my own. Um, we had rela- uh, beautiful relationships and trust amongst all four teammates. And so when that happened, I was able to just receive it and like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, cool. This person needs to do that. I was having it and process all of that. Um, but it, was a, it you- was a failure on my part. Um, and that was one time... Because all the other times when I felt like I wanted to do something or say something, when it was coming yeah. out of a moment of frustration or fatigue or yeah. confusion, I would recognize that that was happening and be like, no, Tosh, don't say that. Don't act that way. Don't respond this way. That's not this. That's not this. And you're doing all the mental math and and then you correct that immediate and you just temper it and you control it and then you have the response that's best suited for the situation. And I wrestled with that the entire 33 and a half days. Um, but I did have one moment that I'm like, fuck, I really fucked that up. Um, and I had been fucking it up for a couple of days and I didn't realize that this was having that effect. It wasn't the intention.
0: The wrong motivational tool. Uh, I keep picturing this as you're trying to motivate someone and instead you were hurting their feelings or something, for example. And then when you found that out, you had to – there's – there becomes a conflict between like your pride versus um, your goal of getting the boat across the finish line in world record time. Mm-hmm. Those two kind of butt up against each other.
1: That's damn near exactly it, you know. And and not only motivate like that with somebody kids. else you, but, when you like, know
0: you fuck up and you need to say sorry to them, but you're like, or your wife, right? Yeah. Oh fuck, I just raised my voice at her. I I didn't say sorry right away, but she deserves it. Well, what, dude? Sh- yeah. Who said that?
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> sometimes the apology this, like, needs to happen right away, and sometimes yeah. the apology is best left for later and understanding that instead of just immediately making the apology. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and so anyways, like part of motivating other people too is motivating myself. And sometimes I'm, I'm acting and behaving in a way that I'm using to motivate me to spirit me through maybe. Right. And it's coming out and it's right. You know, but it's, 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 uh, the wrong tool or the wrong, you know, ready, tighty, lefty, loosey. Except you're trying to tighten something up, and you're going the wrong way, right? right. Um, and so, I spent a lot of time. That, I mean, that's where I dork out, and I just didn't. I wasn't as big and developed as a person as I thought I was, given that that time frame. And I corrected it. You know, that was this happened around just before halfway through the the trip, and was able to correct it. And um, you know, again, blessed with some phenomenal teammates that. Just also accept that too. Like we're all imperfect and they just, we accept each other's imperfectness. And sometimes that means getting confrontational, getting in each other's faces. And sometimes that means just, Hey, you know what? You're fucking wrong, but I don't need to sit there and argue and be confrontational. I'm just going to, the shoe don't fit. I'm not going to wear it, but you right, need to right. try to put the shoe on me, Right. you know? And so, um, you know, managing all those different techniques and styles and stuff like that was very, very exhausting. Uh, that was the hardest part of the trip. And really what happened was uh, we had a point in the boat where all of a sudden our goalpost moved and I was pissed this and uh, like, yeah, we're supposed to be rowing to win and it's not fucking happening. And now we're going to, because you don't think we can win or maybe we can't win, but now that means we're going to change the intent behind that goal statement. And we're at the halfway point. And the next thing you know, the row became a road. Hey, let's just get across there and let's just finish this. And let's, you know, build on our relationships and have a spiritual journey and have some fun. And I'm like, fuck you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't yeah.
1: piss away two and a half years of my life for this to fucking two, two and a half years. And now the last 2% of the two and a half year journey, the last two, 1%, we're going to make a change and it's going to fucking.
0: Do you fuck say that. that out loud? I yes. picture the four of you rowing. And you're like, fuck that. I'm not here to have fun. And mm-hmm. someone's like, okay, fuck it. Stop having fun. Let's go back to winning. I mean, yeah. Is it is it is it lighthearted conversation, but intense or no? It's like it was dudes a, are yelling was an intense, and rowing. And-
1: this was an intense conversation exchange. Yeah. Um, it was good. It was healthy. Uh, I struggled with it a little bit, um, but I'm also one person on a four-person boat. Yeah. And um, I was the one then. Uh, that had to make the change, and the way I process things is different than. How about Chris's loyalty
0: versus to you versus his loyalty to the boat? Did 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 he ever, or or, or vice versa, your loyalty to him versus your loyalty to the boat? Do those ever come in conflict? Like yeah. I'm rolling with you, I was I'm siding with those guys that I would just want to get across the finish line and have fun, but fucking I've been friends with Tosh for twenty years. I'm not gonna fucking say that out loud. Yeah, fuck you guys. We're here to win.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, no, and I think that's a that's another point of really
1: how awesome our team was. Um, yeah. The the loyalty piece is very well balanced. You know, I, some I've I've then in face with like blind loyalty, right? Like you yeah, could even call, yeah. it, you know, faith or something like in in leadership and commands and I think that's where units go bad. Um just oh, I just got blind loyalty. Blind loyalty or loyalty to an individual versus loyalty to a value or a cause or the team or the mission. Um Right. And it's it's like hey, I had these goals for myself and we had goals for the team and during this row we were achieving some of the goals for myself and not some of the others and that was true for all the individuals and we were trying to achieve the goals for the team and they can come in conflict with each other. And you sometimes have to put your own personal goals aside in order for the goals of, of the group, knowing that the net result is going to be po- more positive than negative at the end, yeah. even though that maybe you weren't, your cup wasn't as filled in, in these three areas, but they were still filled in these four. And in fact, your cup got filled in, a, a seventh one that you didn't even know it was a cup to even fill in the first place.
0: Right.
1: And that has been my experience through adventure racing expeditioning for the last 20 years, um, in small teams. And, uh, it's something that I, man, you know, I was conversation with Nicole, like, as we try to, what is that about you? You come back from these things and you're really pissed about this one thing, but you, it was such a great experience, but this one thing, you're not, you're not getting for yourself and you had to give this up for the group, for the group or the team. And, what is that? Why do you find yourself in these same positions all the time and just trying to dissect wow. that? Wow. That's and, some uh, good
0: shit, dude.
1: Yeah. Um, and so that's what uh that's what the last two months have been about for me. Um thinking about that. Um expectation management and how how am I continually setting myself up in this? Why same does every situations? one of my friendships
0: end up like this? Why yeah, does every right? one of my girlfriends end up like this? How come every time I get in this same fight with my son? Mm-hmm. And at and some it's easy point you just see like, whoa, else. whoa, I've done. Yeah, yeah. And you have to start really looking at yourself. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. It doesn't.
0: And at that point, it's not if you're right or wrong. You're trying to uh, you, you you, want a different outcome. Yeah. Seek first to understand. Uh, I apologize to so many of you. Uh, I, I'm seeing the questions pour in in the side and, and I haven't given you guys a very good, big perspective. I've. Just jumped in with Tosh. At? How come I um, can't see these questions? <laughs> you, um, oh, shit. Hit the. I see them on the back end. Let me ask Tosh some real superficial questions here and and so we can paint the picture. Uh, Tosh, your journey, uh, how many miles, you and how many guys were going to row across the Atlantic? Our
1: boat was four. There was uh, 44 teams total. Um, a little, probably a little over 100 people. How many miles was
0: the, was the journey?
1: Uh, our boat finished 2,700
0: something miles was our it, path. And as the crow flies, how many miles is it? Do you know? Like 26. Oh, so you, you did a great job. And how many days did it take you? 33 and a half. And, uh, was anyone injured on the boat of the four guys? Um, some bumps and some bruises when we got into really big weather. Um, a lot of
1: blistering, uh, chafing, um, some superficial like knee stuff, back pain, neck pain, um, hands were crampy. Um, but nothing significant that we had to manage or deal, no head injuries or anything like that.
0: Uh, the food on the boat. Um, did you, how did you guys get food and water? I'm trying to paint yeah. this picture for you guys. Yep. We're going to blast through some of these so we can get a picture of this situation. I apologize. That was just crazy. Cause we did another podcast before and I just jumped in without painting this for you guys, uh, food and water. How, how did you guys do that? One second. I just came across the comment. Shield, the of doc- oh. Shield
1: of Doctor. He's such a head case. He's lucky they didn't throw him overboard. Great patience and kindness.
0: <laughs> you know what's
1: funny is is sometimes I, I just had this conversation the other day. Was like, Don't you know, ever you read the comments. Let me read pussy. them. Hey, hey, Shield, you're a pussy. That's what I say to you. <laughs> you it's okay to piss a couple people off, right? Um. Oh, uh, anyways, how did you guys get food and water? We were all um, unsupported. Uh, so we had to bring everything possible on the boat. There was no resupply or anything like that. So we had dehydrated meals and we had a desalinator um, operating off all solar power. Uh, uh, uh,
0: Sevy doesn't want him seeing the comments because of people like me. No, Dick Butter, your, uh, your favorite kind. Uh, David, don't be an asshole. I, I'm, I'm trying to paint. He's making fun of my questions I'm asking. He wants me to ask uh, what's right. your favorite ice cream. Uh, there is um, – uh, did 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 what about um uh would people just start talking to themselves on the boat like so, you know sometimes i'll be driving and i'll have the kids in the car and i'll start to get tired and i'll just start making noises
1: oh yeah there's a lot of that especially when we get
0: tired um, yeah i'll start just making in the noises the night, singing, they start laughing at me yeah okay
1: just self-motivation just banter
0: chris and i call it chatter um were there, there rules? there's a lot of that were there rules, rules? To, to 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 like the, the like there's guys sleeping down below um don't yell or um nah it was
1: consideration courtesy kindness you know okay. um there was was that and sometimes you'd forget and it was just simple like, hey man so-and-so sleeping it's like oh shit sorry yeah i forgot like or or whatever but um we really did we all operated from a, a phenomenal place of mutual respect um common courtesy decency and uh that was that was awesome
0: I'm gonna show a picture of the. Uh, would you say you had fun? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Brian talks about it as a um, second order fun. What? How does he call it?
0: Um, Who's Brian? One of those guys on the boat. The team boat?
1: captain. Yeah, guy okay. on the far left. Uh, he, you know, we do these hard things and you push yourself and maybe you're not having fun in the moment because of the challenge or the exertion or things like that. But afterwards, type two fun. I think he calls it. But like afterwards, it's like man, that was fun, you know, right? Um, for sure, for sure.
0: Um, that that's the part that I was also ties into uh, what I was saying that these were your uh, CEUs. This is your continued education or CETS, continued education training. It's um, it's afterwards that you get to really use the experience, right? Mm-hmm. It's only afterwards. Don't, don't read the comments. They, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. You can tell him. I'm going to, I'm going to close it's, him.
0: I want to close it's, him. It's unhealthy. You can, you can I'm just, I'm just, no, no you can I'm sorry. I didn't trying I'm I'm ju- to figure I'm out why I
1: wouldn't 20. like Dick butter. Like he seems like a cool cat, man. Oh, he's, he's such
0: a cool cat. He's so funny. Just, and there's another guy in here called Richard Margarine. So Richard there's a Margin. Dick butter and a Richard Margarine. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this crew, there's a, there's a pretty big crew that comes in here every morning. It's, it's oh, quite great.
1: Yeah. I love it. All right, I'm closing that. I'm closing that bad boy. When I'm, I'm when, big enough, like, I'm, whatever, man, you don't like me. You don't like me. It's fine. Like I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm some people's cup of tea. It's fine.
0: Well, it's, it's, I think it's a little short-sighted to think that everyone on there wasn't a, um to, to use that person's words, a head case. If you put four people on a boat for 30 days and there's nowhere to go, it's it's not like a boat where you can, there's anywhere you can escape. You're on top of each other. Right. Yeah, I would, you know, it's funny. Like, I'm a head case. Like, I'm not a head case. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: pretty fucking dialed. Um, I'm very introspective and I'm processing afterwards and, and whatever, but I'm a fucking head case, you know, uh, I, think living a life of introspection is important very recognizing where you struggle and what you think why you think and i, I do i fascinate about some people they just like to play poker and that's what they immerse their lives in some people i don't just think like those to- people have a
0: rich life buddy nah, i don't i, I don't, don't think it's not a
1: fair judgment
0: I, I, I'm, well, I'm gonna make it if you're not introspective i don't think you have it you live a uh, a very rich life Maybe, or maybe you're just that much of a
1: badass that you don't have to be because you're so perfect. <laughs>
0: but I do. I and I dork out.
1: I dork out about that's that's my field. I dork out about leadership and and uh, mental processes. And uh, hey, man, I I struggled in life. I struggled. How many years ago now? Nine years ago. Um, eight years ago. Seven years ago. I was struggling. Um, really bad for about five years. Straight. And then about seven years ago, um, I finally just decided to get some counseling and talk and start to process some things.
0: Like and, someone you paid,
1: you paid someone to sit down with someone. Yeah. Well, I didn't have to pay because I was going through the VA. Oh. Um. And man, I'm so much better. I'm so much better now by having these thoughts and having these questions and, and learning. And so, yeah, if it's a head case to somebody else, it's okay because I'm I'm so much more healthy right now. And, uh that's good. And so i will never, I'll never take insult to that or use that to try to, cause that's just somebody else trying to make a comment to have ownership over my head space, like no posted. And you, you don't get to come in here and do that. This is private property. What's, what's going on up here. Just, if you don't get ownership on my land. You
0: know. But by the way, th- this person sent this way before that com- other comment came in. This came in early in the show. Uh, Tosh, okay. Tosh's uh, mentorship program is life-changing. Uh, Jill Larson. She's a cool She's
1: a cool woman. Yep.
0: Oh, I appreciate her money. I appreciate uh, her money. Uh, that's for sure. Thank you. Um, What about this? We're going to go through a whole show, not talking about your boating thing again. Crazy. Oh, what about this? What happens... Um, I'm kind of going through this now. It's, subtly, it's weird. What happens as you get older and you can't uh, medicate with the same kind of fitness that maybe you used to medicate with? What will you, what will we do? What are we going to do as we get older? We,
1: uh, what am I, what, I mean, I'm, I'm self-medicating with fitness still. Maybe it's not trying to go to the CrossFit games anymore or trying to have ripper be who I used to be. There's an acceptance that I'm, I'm not going to be, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to st- still try to be as close to that as possible.
0: I yeah, because like you, it adventure. wasn't enough for you to row across. You wanted to set the record.
1: Yeah. Well, so there's an itch. I still have an itch. Um, yeah. There's some ideas happening, um, but I'm prioritizing some other things in my life right now. And uh, those things are important to my my overall health, well-being, and the, the people that I love and I'm surrounded with. So, you know, I'm focusing on the Big Fish Foundation, which is veteran nonprofit work. Um, I'm focused on my business, the Crooked Butterfly, that delivers Diesel Days and the Hardway Project. And I'm focused on my relationships. And so um, I'm using that for it. It doesn't mean that I'm not still going to go out and do some adventures, but I'm kind of reining it in right now. Um, doing doing some smaller things to enjoy those with people that I want to spend time with the most. And I get it. Something that's exhilarating or adventurous or really challenging for me is well outside of somebody else's capabilities or comfort zone. And so I want to back into their comfort zones or near comfort zones and experience with them. And, um, that's also true with my hunting, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm go out and hunt and harvest more animals and, you know, fill the freezer, have the experience but I'm finding more pleasure in bringing out younger mm. uh, adults and friends that haven't had the, the privilege or the luxury or the success that I've had and giving them that opportunity. Um, and that's why I do a lot of these vet hunts and trying to take people overseas to do some hunting and guiding people and, and stuff like that. So
0: watch porn and eat Snickers. That's, I do that already, Dave. I already <laughs> that, do that. Man. That's setting the bar a little low. Uh, it's interesting. You say that. Um, so there's this fine line between, um, really enjoying like going out with my kids and really enjoying them skate. And then someone says, why don't you learn how to skate? And I said, because I don't want to hurt myself. But but you can't let that become a crutch. And, and I'm going to propose this to you. What do you think about as you get older, working on more technical things Um, again, like maybe learning to brush your teeth with your left hand, learning to throw an ax with your left hand, learning to pull the bow both both ways uh you, you know as the as the body still challenging the self but sort of uh adjusting it for um technical and skills as opposed to you know like hey i'm, I'm just i'm gonna row across the atlantic <laughs> that's great but i'm not gonna set the world record it doesn't seem much of a dial turn down for me but there's yeah. there's there, there's got to be a, a a smart way to do it Experience the things that you love just in different
1: ways. Right. Um,
0: Yeah. And I think
1: that's saying, like, hey, I love shooting the bow right handed because I'm good at it. Well, learn learn to shoot a left handed bow. Like, experience the same thing that you love and enjoy in a different way that presents more challenge um and and then it still brings
0: that. ego satisfaction though too it's it's not it's not a three minute frame but there's there'll be some e- you you can still uh get some ego satisfaction as opposed to when you share stuff with younger people it's kind of it's like this weird it's a different kind of satisfaction you know what I mean it's not ego it's like it's stuff you can't even imagine being a young man enjoying other people's success I would have never thought I could enjoy people's success as much as I do
1: right i mean I, I think man being a father yeah and having children and and like seeing your children's success, it brings a different like, yeah. Hey, like watching my son harvest his first animal on a hunt that brought me back. And it was like, Oh my God, I'm so much more excited for him than I am for myself. Now when I harvest something and enjoying the same things through other people and providing opportunity that, that excites me.
0: Uh, Matt Schindeldecker, uh, this guy was on the podcast, fucking insane podcast. Amazing story. Uh, this guy went through some intense trauma as a young man, and now years later is using his experience from that trauma to help s- so many kids, dude. Uh, I waited 40 years to seek counseling. Uh, being trauma informed is so important, especially if we are leading or coaching others. Thank you, Tosh, for sharing that. What, what does he mean, uh, trauma informed? You know?
1: Uh, being able to process it in a, in a, in a positive way, being more informed about the trauma and being able to utilize it in a constructive manner and not, not being a victim. Like you said, um, I, why didn't I seek counseling before it's because of pride and because I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I was good. I was managing. Right. And, uh, it was this army Sergeant major at the VA who sat down and talked to me and he's like, yeah, Hey, cool. But the fact that you're having to manage it, is the pro- is a problem. Not a problem, um, but that's the word he used. And I don't process it as a problem. It's like, yeah, hey, it's a shame that you have to manage it so hard. You have to spend so much energy to manage it because you're only going to be able to manage it until you can't. Right. And inevitably, something's going to happen that's going to pull your resource away that allows you not to have enough energy to manage that problem. And it's going to bubble and bubble and bubble. And then in worst case, it's going to explode. So let's, let's figure out how to manage better and and how to sort of like acknowledge and accept and it started me on the process of talking and um sharing, accepting vulnerability. And when I got into this space of um trying to impact against veteran suicide, um, largely my reputation was like that's that's major chantosh, like he's this and this and this and this, and oh my god, he doesn't have these feelings and he doesn't, he's not over this and never that and over that. And it's like and you get proud and proud of that. And and also that was my role, too as a as an officer of, of infantry marines in combat like you you can't be the the leadership commodity and show that you're scared and show weakness and show vulnerability because it gives permission for other people to have it and that's what gets people killed make bad decisions um, and so I was kind of acculturated through that and then uh, I had some phenomenal mentors you know Pat Millay, Dan Healy who's actually coming up next weekend to just spend some quality time together um, and taught me to grow up a little bit. Like you're not 25 years old anymore. You're supposed, there's a reason why you get gray hair and you're supposed to sit back and be a thinker and a little bit deeper and wiser and let the young guys do the young guy stuff. And that's what they're supposed to do. And you're not that young guy anymore. Like you're not the trigger puller anymore. You're not the, this, it doesn't, and it's okay. Let the other people have that because there were people that were before you that had to let you have it. And anyways, you know, it's just through a lot of cool conversation. And um, but anyways, I, I, I went and I talked about it when I launched my podcast in the very beginning. And I was talking about a lot of this stuff. And it was really a podcast that originated conversations I wanted to have with my kids that I I don't. And then it turned into a lot of self-exploration for me and working through problems out loud, which helped. And I just allowed other people to eavesdrop on my conversations through my podcast. And um, that was in the beginning. And I talked about being vulnerable. And I started sharing my vulnerability authentically. Not to wear it as a point of pride, not to wear it as a badge or a ribbon to say, look at me, you know, I'm not vulnerable.
0: play, not play victim for attention yeah. okay. to do
1: it genuinely. Cause I was seeking healing and I was doing it and that allowed other people to accept their vulnerability that maybe they were building walls around. And I found that through being able to be vulnerable, I was helping people. Because it allowed them to be vulnerable too, in a in a time when it was okay to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Right, and um, to see counseling and see help, and the the feedback was tremendous. And like, man, Tosh, like just hearing you help me, and then it gave me the confidence that it was okay. I wasn't letting you down because I was feeling these weak things, and I wasn't allowed to share that I was feeling these things. Uh, but I didn't want to share them, and I didn't want. I don't because I feel like I'm letting you down, or I'm letting my brother down, or these other people. And I'm like, yo, no, you're not anymore. It's not it at all. In fact, you're letting them down more by not dealing with it and doing what you can to be healthy, right? Like you can only no, you got a you got a, a puncture wound in your arm, and it's like it's bleeding and splinting. Oh, well, I'm gonna ignore it. Well, it's still gonna bleed. It eventually you're gonna run out of blood. Like you have to you have to dress the bandage. You have to treat the wound. And so by allowing people to see the vulnerability that I had and the thoughts around it allowed them to start seeing their own wounds so that they could then address them. And, um, it's been, it's been powerful. It's, it's helped me. It's changed my life in the last, uh, seven years, 10 years. And, um, it feels good. And now, now, now by starting these, this, this, this uh, nonprofit, it's given me purpose and a, in a new mission and, um, supporting the cause in a, in a different way. And so, um, it's funny too. Like there's another Nicole, when I came back from the row, I was, I I didn't, I recovered really quick. I didn't really have a lot of residual recovery issues and I mean, some aches and some pains and some this and some that, and you know, some, you know, whatever. But then when I got back home, finally, when we got back home to Boulder from Antigua, like two days later, I started to get sick and started feeling bad tired and energy sapped and, uh, in my head, just kind of, a an ennui, and Nicole's like, yeah, Hey, like you, your body, you, you finally, your mind finally said you're safe and it's allowing yourself to be sick. Oh, your wow. Your mind wow, was keeping wow. you from wow. being this way for so long. And I've seen you do it through so many things. And that's all that's happening is you feel safe enough now to be sick. So just be sick. And take care of yourself.
0: Because you were on this fucking harrowing journey on a fucking rowboat <sighs> across the Atlantic. Yeah. Oh, my God. You should be a filmmaker. Well, you are a filmmaker. And, and your it body knew it. Journey.
1: And your body knew it. Yeah, and the mind was strong enough to refuse it. Like, you will not be sick right now. You will not be sick. You don't have permission to be sick. And you just, boom. And you're, you're so here. And then finally, it's like, okay, the mind is recognizing, That's like, crazy. it's okay to be now. You're home. With loved ones, you have your resources. Like, just go ahead and have That's
0: that. Like curl up in a ball and get sick. Yeah, yeah. And I did. Did you enjoy you know, that getting sick? That when you
1: got back at all? Did any part of you enjoy that? I don't know if I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Nicole having that revelation and and being able to articulate it to me that way because it yeah. uh, it made me okay.
0: Um, when when you say um. You, it's it's weird, it's weird talking to a soldier because when you say you went to counseling, like all of us have like shit that happened to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Buck fondled you in the back of the pickup truck. Your fucking dad beat you. Um, whatever yeah. fucking horrors that happened to fucking us from the day we're born to, but then, so so you have that just a normal life of just shit that could have gone sideways with you, right? Um. Do, being raised by adults and then you go to war and then you have to deal with um the loss of life but then also what i've learned from interviewing soldiers is uh explosions right shit blowing up around you that's that's traumatic for the fucking uh for the brain the brain doesn't like loud fucking massive explosions happening around it Mm -hmm. Are those the three pieces? Like when you go to counseling, do you have to, do you have to, are those the three pieces? Am I understanding you right? Whatever happened, whatever your life is first, you know, like maybe mom forgot your, maybe it's not uncle buck fondled you. Maybe it's mom forgot your birthday, you know, then it's uh, friends and family, people dying around you and death. And then also explosions, uh, head trauma, physical head trauma. Are those the three
1: I don't necessarily I'm I'm just getting into some head trauma stuff. I'm I'm excited if the government ever gives me my DD214, um I'll be able to get this new treatment. Um Chris is getting it right now. Is it hyperbaric chambership? shit? It is. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited um but again I'm waiting for the government to give me my DD214 um which I should already have but it I didn't have the full anyways long story. Um but I'm excited to get the brain scan um and start seeing what this uh treatment is um another buddy that's that supposed to be magical movement, dude no great. one has
0: anything bad to say about that shit everyone's like yeah. holy shit people don't even know how it works
1: yep um i'm excited uh so i don't really that's something that i'm just starting to address now and um i don't really address my life stuff i mean i could and then you know being around the death and everything maybe that's part of it but more the biggest thing i talk about is the guilt and my conscience of the horrific things that I've had to do to other human beings, right. the horrific things that I've had to ask other men to do to other human beings. And, um, some, some replay of, man, I could have done this. I could have done that. Um, that's really where the bulk of my stuff goes that I wrestle with. You know, the, you know, the, the horrific things. Like there's a couple that I just see. It's like, yeah, Hey man, that was just really, fucking powerful, but that's the kind of the bulk of the stuff that I talk about
0: and stuff, stuff that, um, I, I, I guess I'm trying to think of stuff in my life, stuff that maybe you wish you could rewind. If if, if you could do it again, you would have done it different.
1: Yeah. And I, I have a really good place with that. I know yeah. rationally yeah. How, to, how to process that. Um, it's like, Hey, we can never rewind and be exactly rewind in our heads and go back to the exact same moment. And be privy to all of the instantaneous and immediate and very real energies of that moment. The only, <laughs> right, right. you know, our our ability for self reflection can only go so far, and right. there's selective reflection and, and forgetfulness and whatever, and, and not and um, it's easy to armchair quarterback and then live a life of remorse or regret. Um, and what I do have in my conscience is that no matter what, I was doing the best that I could given the information I had and the circumstances mm-hmm. I had at the time that I didn't get the results that I wanted every single time or that I optimally desired, but there was an incredible amount of
0: best effort given.
1: And oh, there was thank times, God you have you that. Know,
0: that's huge. Right. And that's yeah. huge.
1: And I was at a place in Fallujah when, when, um, when I got done with Fallujah and my boss was like, Hey Tasha, it's time for you to go back to the States. And I didn't want to go. Um, he's like, no, it's, it's time. And, uh, you know, it's uh, like ego starting to come in. Victor's disease is starting to happen.
0: What's that? What's Victor's Um, disease?
1: Hit the Googles. Um, Okay. It started with Napoleon. You know, he was so successful, so successful, so successful, always winning, always winning. And even though every single piece of data pointed that he shouldn't have gone to the Eastern front against Russia in the middle of winter, he decided to Uh, anyways, uh, because uh. it didn't matter. He always won. He was always successful. Um, you should always came up someone like a rose type stuff that he did it anyways. And it had catastrophic, you know, effects, um, results, consequences. And, um, I had Pat Malay, um, was my boss, good friend, mentor, amazing, amazing officer. Um, like, it's time for you to go back to the States. We're going to put you at the basic school. You're going to, you're going to have some amazing people there to help you through that. And, um, I was was surrounded by some phenomenal peers and um, superiors at the basic school that that really caught that ego, caught that victor's disease, caught that whatever was going on, and put it back in check. Um, I was blessed. Uh, I was
0: fortunate. Lucky. It's interesting you say that as some of our mutual friends have talked to me about the same thing about getting pulled out and not wanting to leave and being really pissed. I trained my whole life to do this. I don't want to abandon my teammates. And then they said, in hindsight, they look at the people who stayed and they're like, holy shit, they dodged a bullet because they're either fucking dead or batshit crazy. Like it, like you have a man has a threshold of how much they can do. It.
1: Yeah. Well, in my case, it was, um, kind of the opposite of that. Uh, I didn't want to go. I was kind of on leave, anyways. I wasn't even supposed to be in Fallujah. I was supposed to be at the basic school for orders. Well before that, to teach, to teach. Yeah, to be an instructor, and um, I was there. We fought, and um, had an incident where JP Blacksmith was killed, and I had some. uh, At at the school, at the school, or no, in Fallujah, right? Oh, 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 okay. uh, We're fighting, and and, um, one of my lieutenants was killed, and I didn't. yeah, it wasn't it wasn't right. And I talked to my boss about it. And next thing you know, some people are coming down. Hey, you know, a lieutenant was killed, and and you know, it was JP, and his father was a uh, an iconic figure in the Marine Corps. Him and Father Capodanno um, received the Medal of Honor, or Father Capodanno received the Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Well connected, um, big name, and he was just killed. And so now I got these generals coming down, and whatever, whatever. And I remember being at the top of this roof, overlooking the incident. <laughs> And replaying it for them so that they could do whatever they needed to do. And General Natansky is like, "Hey, Tosh, what are you doing here?" I remember this clearly, and uh, I was like, oh, "I'm fighting the war, sir." And he's like, "Hey, don't be a smart ass. Like, what are you? What are you still doing here? Aren't you supposed to be at the basic school?" And I'm like, "Well, yes, sir, but like, this is more important. This is what I'm called to do. Whatever, whatever, whatever." And you know, then there was some other things and then a little heated conversation with this um, retired colonel. We won't mention his name. Fuck that guy
0: um but so uh, so, so, sorry let me just paint this so there's you a couple generals and a retired colonel sitting on a roof and and there was an unfortunate incident where one of your friends was killed and you're relaying it to them and and this colonel piped off uh on you too in there he pulled me he pulled
1: me aside and gave me some advice we'll say and uh i
0: was like fuck you um
1: but uh anyways general otonski said well um when are you supposed to be at the base school? I said, December 1st. He's like, when do you need to leave? And I said, November 28th, I'm going to do this and this and this. And it was all figured out. And so we had finished clearing to MSR Michigan. We were reorganizing. We were going to do some back clearing, moving our AO. We were accepting another unit's AO to go do some back clearing and whatnot. And um, November 28th came around and I basically got a ride with Gunny back to pick up my shit, to drive to another, um, to Blue Diamond and get a helicopter ride to get another ride to get another ride. I'm still in, I mean, I was straight, straight out of Fallujah for, you know, 20 days, something days of fighting, 30 days, whatever, how many days it was. And I still had my camis on from the fighting, jumped on a civilian plane to Atlanta and just flew to Baltimore, got picked up in Baltimore by a couple of buddies and then uh, slept at their house that night and reported for duty the next day. And, Holy uh,
0: shit. Aren't you supposed to go so when you say th- fighting, you mean real fighting. You were doing yeah. like real fighting, bullets flying, people dying. Ho- yeah. like. And then you, and aren't you supposed to go to Germany for a week and like they stick needles and uh, to check your temperature and like assimilate yeah. you? Yeah. Transition pro- program. Um, yeah.
1: And at the time it was just starting and I short circuited that because I was supposed to report for duty. But um, anyways, where <sighs> the conversation was going was um, it's just the guilt stuff, right? Um, the victor's disease. And then sometimes you come back, you have made the comment you come back and then you look back and then everybody was wiped out. And it's like, Oh my God, I, you know, all that, I, I, I just escaped that. Well, for me, I'm back at Quantico. And, um, two days later, I get a, a message that, uh, Paul Rund was killed. Lance Corporal Rund. And, uh, it fucking crushed me because, you know, the, the immediate thoughts, like, well, if I was there, it never would have happened. Mm. Right. Fuck this. And I was, I was angry. I was really, really angry. Um, her and the funny thing at the day that I left to say goodbye to the company, I was a company commander I had, uh, like 186 guys, attachments and stuff, and just kind of saying goodbye to everybody. Paul Rund was the guy. They found one of those old eighties jukebox that you put on your, your thing. It's got the cassette deck. And somehow mm-hmm. he found one of those going through when we were going through the city and it was a cassette tape. And it was a Sarah McLaughlin cassette tape. And he played this song, I Will Remember You. And that was like the last time I saw Paul. It was the last time I saw the company in in full like that. And uh, every time that song comes on, it crushes me because Paul played it the day that I left when I shouldn't be leaving, and then he was killed. And, uh, so, I mean, I think that's the stuff, not so much, Oh, I I got out of there and everybody died and I I'm alive and now I have guilt because I'm alive and they're dead. That's not it at all. It's, it's, uh, I should have been back. I should have been there still. I should have still fucking been there. And that's the, the emotions and the feelings inside. And I know rationally there's a a million other possibilities. I could have stayed there and Pat Millay was absolutely right. And I got more people killed because I was Suffering from this this pride, this ego this this stuff, and um your own success, right, and so i just I wrestle back and forth, like I accept the emotional side, and I allow myself to feel that, but I also rationally can say, hey, that's not fair, you can't hold on to that because there's a million other an infinite number of possibilities that could have been even worse than that had you had not come out, and you just you just can't change, you have to learn how to to manage and live with with that." Instead of being so pigeoned on on the emotional side and let that dictate the rest of your life, and so um, I'm not articulating the full processing of that because I'm a head, because I don't want to appear as a head case. So, um,
0: <laughs> right? Hey, uh, <laughs> these these so man so physically, I mean, you you put your life on the margins of what. What I say from sitting in my plush podcast studio in Santa Cruz, California, you put yourself physically on the margins of, 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 of death. I'll just say it, um, rowing across the Atlantic and then you survive these experiences and, and you, and you come out stronger and wiser and you share the stuff. And, and obviously the relationship, not only with yourself on that boat, but with those four other guys is you have, if, if you don't reflect on that and process that, that, that's what, so. That I I guess, God, there's got to be a great metaphor. Basically, you did that trip and now processing it and living through it and dealing with it and coping with that trip um, is what makes you stronger and able to give more to other people. That at the end of the day, that's what it is. It, it's day. not enough just to do it. Then you have to come back and be like, okay, I'll, I'll replay this. I should have handled Brian differently. I should have just done this to Chris. Replace him. How to oh, that was very successful when the four of us uh, came together and did that. That's really good. And so you have, and so your war experience is is the exact same thing. It's like this guy, Matt Schindel, uh, Decker. And Mm -hmm. so, right, uh, he's saying, I agree uh, agree with Tosh. That's the key. The individuals we coach also come into our facilities, also struggle with their own trauma. And coaches should be training in how to handle those conversations. He goes on to say, I agree with Tosh. Uh, Individuals walking into our boxes, affiliates walking with their own trauma. Coaches should at least have some training on how to walk through those conversations. But you're now taking, you're not letting any of these situations go to waste, you've now seen that this is you're going to pull them all together for uh the things like the the, the big fish um the diesel days and uh and i, I apologize there's one more the hardway project yeah the hardway project
1: yeah i feel a sense of obligation to share it i'm well, it's what, what you're fucking way. good at it's what well, you're yeah, fucking right? good I mean, at, too. That's what I'm interested in. Um, right. Some people go on these adventures and it's for self purposes, self serving purposes, because they need it and they don't need to share it. They don't want to share it. They're not wired right. to share it. And that's totally fine. That's not me. I'm over here where I do these things for those reasons, for right. sure. But also, uh, I am wired to feel like I have an obligation to leverage those experiences to share in order to help people dream big achieve big, um, manage their shit, take ownership of their life, whatever, whatever, whatever. And, um, that's just how I'm wired, you know? And, you know, I, one, one guy on the team is upset with me because I share and, um, some things on, on other podcast and he felt slighted and he got pissed and like, dude, I'm not wired that way to fucking keep it a secret. Like there's certain things that I didn't share and there's no, and I didn't put certain names out. Um, And the only reason I'm talking about the experience is because it was life changing for me or I had a revelation and I think it could be valuable for others. Right. And in fact, the, the fact that you're choosing to ignore all the places where I gave you specific credit and how you were awesome. Right. Because of this. And it's like, Hey, you wear your guilt because you have something inside that you're aware of and it resonates. You wear the shoe but I'm not putting a shoe on you. I'm leveraging my experiences to share for that, not to point fingers at myself and make myself look big and not to cut you off at the knees to make you look shorter so that I can appear bigger. Um, And I also don't exclude the opportunities where I failed during those experiences or where I've struggled or where I wasn't the best that I could have been. And, you know, like, Hey, you want to talk about it? We can talk about it or go fuck yourself. Um, and I, I really hope we get to talk about it sometime because I really love the guy, you know, but he, the fact that he's insulted right now and, and butt sore. Hey, man, I'm sorry. Sorry you feel that way. Maybe you need to have maybe you need to, you know, do some introspection and, and figure out how you can be OK with it because that's not my intent and that's not how I'm wired. And you know me better than that. Um,
0: well, there's obviously going to be struggles rowing across the um, um There's obviously going to be struggles rowing across the Atlantic with four dudes, right. uh, and, and talking about those things is, is is part of the adventure, right? I mean, that's the cool shit. It, speaking of that when when this if if you and i are going to walk to um from california to new york there's some there's there's only like there's only certain routes and let's say everyone's going to have to walk across nevada right is going to war the same thing being a young man who goes to war is there no way around this journey that you did like is every man is, is there that cliche journey that's just like hey yeah that's the path you go there um you're full of fucking come you go there you get the gun you fight obviously with degrees um you th- there's some f- serious hardships and realizations that come uh, with war you come back and you uh, push it down with fitness or alcohol and then at some point you either that kills you and you die of cancer or you uh, face it and come out the other side and then the last chapter is you help other men get through it is that is that the is, and and then the only thing that's changed throughout time is the different tools we have for sharing it. You know, they didn't have podcast fucking 20 years ago. You know what I mean? It didn't. Do, do you think that that's, is there any way around that? Is there, is there any way like you can um go, a young man can go to war, come back and then just bake cakes and be live happily ever after and like t- have a wife and, or it's no, it's not like that. It's the, uh,
1: Maybe, maybe there is not for me.
0: Um, but, but have sure, you ever sure seen anyone?
1: Is. Have you ever seen that? On the surface, you know, for what what I can see or sense or, you know, infer like sure. Um, but does that mean that it, there's not something else underneath the surface that, not? Like probably, <laughs> right. I don't know, you know. Right. The way that you the way that you framed it up sounds like a great movie.
0: Well, right? it just like, seems like everyone's it, it's this just, just this fucking journey. I mean that there's these just it's these archetypes of just shit we go through, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we've all had our first girlfriend and and, and, and that ever broke up with us. And we all fucking know what that feels like. And if a thousand of us told the story, you wouldn't be able to distinguish one from the other. You know what I mean? It's the story. Mm-hmm. The boy falls in love with girl. She ends up dating a friend. We could go home and cry to our mom. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, they're right? There's a. Uh, there's
1: probably a thread there that is. Yeah. I, there's probably a thread or a theme that that is. Generally,
0: an, an and then there's small
1: path. deviations of, of that yeah. for sure. I right? yeah. like some branches and some sequels, but, uh,
0: I mean, there's tragedies. Mm-hmm. People kill themselves.
1: I mean, that's what that's, I, it's just how it is. It right. Is, you know, but yeah, that's my journey. That's my journey right now. Um, just that. And I also refuse. Like, I don't ever like, that's why you don't see, I won't, I don't want to be the, Oh, it's Brian Chantosh. That's fucking. Marine war something fucking dude victim. Right. Like I'm, I, I refuse to be known as just that or tied to just that. I don't want to be, um, I want to be, I'm, I'm, I'm more than that. You know, I don't want to be just to do the road across the ocean. I want to be something different. Um, I'm not going to sit there and continually tie myself to that because then it doesn't allow me any payout to, to keep growing, keep moving down the road um, to be somebody because of that. And that, and that, and that, a product of all the experiences instead of just the experience.
0: You went, um, I, I saw, um, I don't know if it's uh, old, but since you've come back from the, from rowing across the Atlantic, you went to Argentina and not went hunting?
1: Oh, yeah, that was awesome. That was my, that, my present to myself for finishing the row, which I bought ahead of time.
0: But that's that was kind my of great. treat. That's kind of crazy. Does, um, let me see if I can find a picture that doesn't, uh, what's, um, uh, what's Nicole say about that? Is she like, Hey, you haven't read, I mean, that's a pretty quick up and go shit. Where is that picture?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was right. Yep. It was real quick. It was something that we talked about. It's like, you're going away already again. I'm like, (laughs) yeah. And, um, but also, you know, it's like, Hey, you need that. That's what you need. That's, um, and so she, she, uh, supported it, you know, like to go. Who's that dude? Is that a local? That's Nick Shaver, a really good buddy of mine. Um, and we went down there together. Uh, I invited him to come on the trip and he said yes. And we got to go to share that together. And we, um, we harvested those two deer within five minutes of each other. Just wild, really freaking cool, crazy opportunity.
0: Those are deer?
1: Red deer, red stag. Yeah. That's crazy. So what? delicious too. So delicious. Like people, I posted that picture and lost like, I don't know, 500, 600 followers, whatever. Um, and that's fine. I don't post to keep followers or get followers or anything. Um, I just post my life to share. And if you find my life cool, then you'll follow. Like, that's fine. You Cold,
0: you cold the herd. You yeah. i not
1: mining herd. for follows. Right. Um,
0: we're in an attention economy. You lost yeah.
1: 500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, good callback. And so, um, Uh, anyways, like that, that whole experience, you know, was, was just great to be there with Nick and to talk and share and open up about things and meet new people and explore new places. And I met some amazing other fellow hunters that were at the, um, the the camp with us. And this young gentleman, John, 17 years old, fabulous, his father and nephew or uncle. And it was cool. But, you know, as I posted in that picture, like that, those animals fed dozens of people you know we ate the oh animals. you don't bring it, the
0: meat you don't bring the meat back with you
1: no exportation laws but so we you know it fed the guides it fed all the um staff it fed the hunters it fed the hunters that are going to hunt after us um,
0: oh that's cool it's, that's it's super cool. cool
1: yeah i don't hunt just to hang something on a wall like it's
0: it's much more involved what do you think about that hunting just to hang something on a wall
1: teach their own uh, I, I don't like it um i have a lot of animals hanging on my walls um, but they're hanging on my walls as a way to honor them and to remember the experiences. And as I look at all of these animals, you understand I it go, at go all? back in time. Uh, I have a trophy hunters and I'm not bashing them. I just think they're wired a little different than the way I am. And other people, you know, I, they do it. There's a, there's an ego thing. There's an accomplishment thing. There's whatever else that they have going on. Um, and that's there for me too, but just not to the to greater degree of some of the other things, um, for why I choose to hunt, you know, the challenge, the experience, the exploration, um, the food, the accomplishment, the food, um, the memories, um, the sharing with who I was, um, the circumstances around the hunt and for every animal that I've, I have on a wall there, that was a success moment. Each one of these animals have dozens of unsuccessful moments tied to them. And it, uh, so it represents so much more.
0: Uh, Dick Butter, I wonder how many of those six hundred followers went and ate at Wendy's that day. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably a majority of them. I, I do. I like to be tied to my food
1: sources. You know, um, accept responsibility. I don't like to outsource, you know, killing to other people for me. You know, I do. I eat. I eat at Wendy's. It's fucking delicious. Um, but it, there's no judgment there for people that just do or don't or are for hunting or aren't for hunting, and that's that's where I find a lot of people that are super opinionated. They they really rooted in judgment you know that they're so voiceful about their opinion because they're so judgmental and it's like t- live and let live teach their own you know i'm a good person My I, intentions I, are good.
0: I, I know it's a it's a, a sensitive time around guns well, i mean when is it not but it would be interesting to take like a thousand people who just completely detest guns and have them face uh, that challenge of doing a, a two-hour class every single day for 30 days or 60 days, and immerse them in in in, uh, in in gun gun stuff. Take them out shooting, how to clean guns, how to load guns, make bullets. Immerse them and see how many of those thousand come out being like, "Wow, this is fucking cool." This mm-hmm. wow, I had no. I mean, because I think that most people who uh, detest guns know nothing about them, right? It's just all fear-based. It's all, I don't it's know. All... Like,
1: it's 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 a gun is a tool, and it ultimately it's the person behind the gun and it's mental illness that are people that are using guns for the purposes that are that are horrible, right. right? They're misplaced, they're misguided, they they're misinformed, whatever it is, you know. Um, no different than a car. There's more people that die in DUI fatalities every fucking year than there are gun violence, right? There's more people on the road that don't respect their vehicle speeds, traffic laws. They don't respect other um, people that are also on the road in their own vehicles, right? Um, but they're still allowed to drive, and we still have cars. Right. So it's it's like, yeah, hey, I, I like guns. I like shooting. I like the challenge. I like hunting. Um, I like. But, but I think people of,
0: accept cars because they see the value in them. But what I'm saying is I, I think that most people who don't like guns, they know nothing about them just like most people who don't like hunting know nothing about it. I think. Um, yeah.
1: I, there's probably a, a good percentage
0: there. You know, some people a, might a, not like them because they had a horrible you, experience with them. You don't like someone from a certain race because you know nothing about them. You could, could or you like, had
1: a, or you had a one bad experience. And so right. now you're going to generalize everything. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that they're bad, inherently bad. Like it's a, it's a, an object, you know, right. it's the intention behind whoever's utilizing the tool, you know, so take away everybody's guns. Some the people, bad people, ill people are going to find another way to instrument their intentions in a in a bad way with some other tool. You know, I don't want to get tools. into politics and gun talk and shit like that. It's just ultimately, it just comes down to okay. Let's talk about something more important.
0: Respect. How 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 much did that boat cost? I think we
1: were 180 grand was the total to get it outfitted and everything. 180K um,
0: for, for a rowboat, four-man rowboat.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, we had it built brand new, carbon fiber, top of the line, because it, that, that supported our ambitions to, to uh, set a record and win.
0: And where does it go now that you're done with it? What do you do with the, a rowboat?
1: We've sold it to another team that's going to compete in this race two years from now oh no shit yeah so we've sold that boat to them because you can buy we could have bought a used boat in fact the team the spanish team who they're awesome uh they won the race on a boat that was used um it actually won last year and the year before um we just bought a brand new boat Uh, ultimately you know you you try to optimize the equipment but ultimately it comes down to you being more skilled to win um equipment plays a part but these guys were just so awesome and their boat was great too
0: but your 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 boat was made of carbon? Yeah, yeah it was fiberglass and carbon. Yep. And, and and there was something um there's something called an auto tiller on the boat that like makes it so you just row and then it 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 like basically steers the boat in the best trajectory and yours broke, right? On the yeah. trip.
1: Yeah, we had a we were in some stees. We were in 30 plus footers, um big winds and um I think that the auto tiller, super awesome auto tiller, um an evo system that um, I just think it was at the limits of its um, capabilities. Um, it was probably being overworked. I mean, these seas and the way the boat was moving and the forces on it. Um, we shorted it out once. Um, one, because of our error, the boat was so weighted forward. We had more weight in the boat forward than back, that the, the rudder was out of the water more than it should have been. And when you're cresting these giant waves and then the autotillers trying to work and fire, that it tripped the fault. Um, so we corrected that and then, um, the seas got worse the next day, two days later and, um, it actually sheared the threads from the stainless steel shaft that goes into the coupling. Um, it just, there's like an inch and a half of threads and the auto tillers going. Yeah. so There's so much force on it that it actually sheared the threads and stripped it all. And luckily we had a second auto tiller on, uh, on board. We had up redundancy too. And, um we were able to make some changes is, to the way is it we just flip a switch
0: it. and it moves to the other one or no, you have to, oh, uh, you, you have no, to do you, mechanic, put on your mechanics vest and get out there.
1: Yeah. You go dead in the water. You lose all steerage. You try to hand steer, which is very inefficient. Um, in, in seas like that, the boat wants to go where the water's telling it and the winds are telling it someplace different. And, um, who changed, so a little it? Bit of who changed the
0: auto all. tiller? I did. You know how to do that?
1: Oh, uh, but we all had roles, you know, um,
0: did like someone Chris talk you through Jim. it on the phone? Did you have someone on the phone?
1: Yeah, I sat-commed uh, Angus the first time the tiller went out. We grabbed the sat phone. It was Christmas Day, night. the night. It was the 25th of December at uh-huh. like 1030 at night. And I rang Angus, our campaign manager, and we talked through it. And um, we got it all sorted out. And on our chart plotter, it was weird because after we get it sorted out, it the chart plotter said we were headed... 260 degrees but the reports from on deck was like hey how come the wind is in our face now it used to be in our back like, it just didn't make sense we were 180 degrees out because we were still moving in the right direction even though we were facing backwards that's how big the water was um and so we had to resort that out because you know you, you get focused on electronics hey electronics are telling you the truth they're telling you the truth but then yeah. you forget that you have these other senses. Like how come the moon is in the opposite direction and we're not going in the right direction. And we're trying to figure <laughs> yeah, all this shit yeah. out while you're working on no sleep and you're right. You're 14 days, 15 days into this freaking race. Um, and so we just, that was where we worked great as a team. You know, uh, people saw different things and we all communicated and sorted it all out.
0: So then, so then two days later it breaks again and you have to go in the water with wrenches. No, no, we did it all from, um, inside our, our
1: tiller, was um, coupled inside and our rudder was through the hull into the inside of the boat so we could do everything from inside the stern cabin
0: do you have anything ever crazy uh happen where you're changing this tiller and you have this bolt you got one in your mouth one in your hand you're trying to thread it and it drops into the ocean Or, or like or the wrench you have or the socket drops in the ocean and you're like oh fuck we did
1: have one um it was uh, during this incident when the tiller broke, um, yeah. heart broke, and we're dead in the water. Well, um, the boat had went over and wanted to capsize, and the Concept 2 oars that we had built, one got pinned down and acted like this, and it bent the brace that the oar lock is sitting on. So this 3-8-inch steel brace that sticks out, and then the oar lock sits on top of it, Yeah, and it bent that. Angus had told us he's never seen one fail or break, which... That tells you, like Angus is like multiple world record holder at Rolling Ocean. Dude, what if
0: someone's um, arm or neck or something had been near there?
1: Right. So the plate bends and it breaks the, the oar lock. The oar lock is designed to break before the oar breaks, right? Um, so the fact that the oar lock held for the brace to even bend and yeah, the oar was phenomenal. Um, Concept2 made these custom oars for us. Um, What's to stop the just, oar
0: from just flying overboard and losing it if the oar lock breaks? It's leashed. We have a a leash to it,
1: which we didn't have actually um, on at the time. And Jim was able to grab it and catch it uh, in time Um, because I jumped off my station to go underneath and fix the uh, auto tiller. Jim jumped on the rowing station um, when I jumped off. And uh, when all this happened, so we're we're broached to the wave, the boat's rocking, tipping over. We think we're going to roll. And then the oar goes. And you're underneath. below
0: deck when you think you're gonna roll. Yeah, I just, I just got oh, in. Dude. Oh, dude. And
1: uh, so we ended up getting that all sorted out, and it's like two in the morning. And um, Jim replaced the brace, so we we cannibalized the third rowing station that we didn't use. Um, so we pulled that one off, changed the oar lock and everything, and he ended up dropping a uh, a nut into the ocean. Oh. And uh, I was like, "Fuck!" But we had spares, so that was just a <laughs> bunch of wrestling out our spares. But uh, we had we had appropriate redundancy of of essentials and some non essentials too. We had some appropriate redundancy across the boat, and that's part of the experience that Angus <laughs> brought to bear and the experience of the race itself to say, "Hey, you need to have compulsory redundancy on these parts because you are going to something's going to happen."
0: While you're did underway. something happen in everyone's boat? Did you hear shit happen on all sorts when you got back? All sorts Any, of stuff. Different anyone stuff else lose an auto tiller? A couple auto
1: tillers, um, you know, but they, they, again, you know, we, everybody had two or three auto tillers. Um, one boat completely capsized and um, they had to get rescued. They spent 17 hours in the water.
0: In and the that water boat crash. never came back. They
1: finally salvaged it. I, I saw their, um, their tracker on shore, but did we finished the race before that team that got rescued ever set foot back on shore Cause they ended up going up to Canada because it got picked up by a merchant vessel. And then their boat was another two or three weeks before somebody went out there and and picked it up. Wow.
0: Um, I, I I would love to have you uh, back on again. I think there's more to sift through.
1: I like, I like talking to you, man. It's, it's cool to, um, to be held accountable to thoughts and, and stuff like that and memories. And it's, it's good for me too. It's, it's all part of processing. So, and I'll, I'll talk to you
0: anytime. So uh, what, what's next on your horizon in the next, in the, in the upcoming weeks and, and days, hunting trips, uh, camps, programs, uh, yeah. seminars, got
1: seven diesel days scheduled over the next uh, 14 weeks. I've got um, two veteran retreats coming up. Um, Kilo three, seven is coming up to um our ranch here for a, uh, a veterans retreat. And I've got um, three, five going down to the XIT ranch in Texas for a, for a three day retreat. Is that, We've is got,
0: that um is that ranch in Texas? Who's is that Bill's ranch? No, this is oh. um
1: Abby and Drew Knowles is the um, part of the original XIT ranch. It's incredible. The history of that ranch. What does that um, stand for? XIT? Uh, 10 in Texas. Okay. Yeah. Back in, in, in a, in a long time ago, something about, it's funny. Cause I was just talking to Drew about that, about the, the, the brand and the history behind what the brand XIT is and sent me a phenomenal story. It's really, really pretty cool. But, um, and then I I was listening to a, here's what I was listening to a audio book. It's called, um, the endless summer moon or something like that. I And it was all about the Comanches and then, um, in Texas and the formation of, you know, cattle industry and, and this and that. And I'm driving on my way down to the ranch to go see Bill at his ranch, to go to XIT. And, um, they're talking about, like I'm driving over the river a river and they're mentioning it in the book, and it's like holy shit, and you there's all the historical signs on the on the state highways that I drive, and you pull over and you read the historical sign, and it's like they just talked about it in the book ten minutes ago, or an hour later they talk about the historical sign that I read. It was really, really cool, but um, it was a great book, but anyways, um, we're taking uh some three five guys down there for uh for a retreat in Texas.
0: What are and three, then, five
1: guys? What are three, five guys? Uh, third Battalion, fifth Marines. Oh, okay. Um, Currently they're reunion. still in or they're, they're done. Uh, veterans. Yeah. That's, okay. Um bringing them back for like a reunion of sorts. It's, um, it's a reunion, um, a healing retreat, um, some reintegration stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, do some camping. We do some fitness. We do some talking on a campfire. We do some labor on the ranch, just generally have a good time with each other and share stories and company. And, and grow and, and re-strengthen some things so that everybody can keep uh, moving forward in their life. It's part of the Big Fish Foundation and impacting against veteran suicide. It's preventative medicine. Uh, and then we have our big fundraiser coming up um, in June. We do an annual fundraiser here at our property, the Big Fish Foundation fundraiser. So this is our fourth one.
0: Um, big How do event. people participate in, in that? What, 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 uh, so what does participation look like?
1: I bring in... Um, I bring in an, uh, a veteran, one from each branch of service. And then I pair them up with uh, an athlete or a celebrity or a personality like Josh Bridges or Hobart. Um, I think conversations with Rich Froning right now, see if he's going to come out. And we pair we pair them up and we go through like a 30-hour workout um, to, to demonstrate teamwork, resiliency, um, and, and all the positive character values that come with, with persevering through hardship. And we do that. At a, at a big like um, kind of like a jamboree sort of like a festival here at the house. We'll have like 40, 50 people. I pay wow. for a bunch of veterans to come in and be volunteers. And we do this as a program to um, invite each other uh, into a collection of community of people and, and just have a good time for, for a week. So that's coming up, I'm getting ready to redo the website. It's should be launched here in two weeks, the new website. So
0: uh opening with uh taco uh sharing sharing those intimate stories uh talking about um you know reflecting on on the on the trip and your relationship with the guys all, all that stuff uh the 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 story on top of the building um with the generals mm-hmm. and 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 reflecting on paul i I really appreciate all that uh I think people really enjoy hearing that. I think people uh long to hear stories and tales about other men and um men and women and their and their sort of not only their hardship but how they process it. And and I just I'm just so glad that I got to sit here and, and hear them firsthand and and you sharing them with us. So thank you. All yeah, really, welcome. really super cool shit. I mean, people love that stuff. And I think they love it because it um it adds perspective and context to their life. Cool.
1: Yeah, I just just want to provide value.
0: Take it. Yeah. Yeah, anybody can take it or leave it. You don't want attention just for showing your ass. You want to provide some value. Yeah, that's strange. Strange these days. I was telling someone the other day, I don't, I love attention, but I want to do, I want to juggle like six balls and I want to ride a unicycle. I don't want attention for attention's sake. Yeah. I want to do something. Yeah, the inconsistency in that. Yeah, I want to do something. Brother, thank you.
1: You bet, bro. Good to see you again. You're and uh, give my best to uh, Haley and the kids. And okay. one of these days, we'll put a, a handshake and a hug on each other again.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you are a world class hugger. Anyone who hugs you is uh, stoked to get a hug from <sighs> you. Appreciate that. All right. Tell Nicole I said hi, please. We'll do, brother. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Brian Chantosh, <clears throat> informally known as Tosh. I know, right? Right. Dude, real life uh, lessons, real life lessons that are fucking hard. Whether uh, he put himself in those situations consciously or unconsciously. Uh, Man, if you have a chance to hang with that dude, what a fucking treasure. uh, Because I know that there's a huge entertainment component. Like, holy fuck, it's just fun listening to him talk. But dude, he can share shit and he's processed shit that he can then share to like like enrich your life so you don't have to fucking go through some of that shit. It's awesome. Or, or, or more importantly, I think what his specialty is, is um, sharing those skills to help people uh, get the most out of their own life, their current situation. He's dope. A great show, Tosh. Greatly appreciate your stories and the value you add to this earth. Yeah, dude. What great value. Hey, Matt, dude. Uh, thanks again, Stefan. Once a great conversation, Matt uh, Schindeldecker. Thank you for uh, for adding to it, dude. You're great. I, I fucking respect what you processed uh, and and then and then shared with the world after you processed it. It's dope. Uh, David Weed, awesome. Thanks, David. Means a lot to me. I know that uh, you are a man of discernment that doesn't impress easy and has a very, um, sensitive, sensitive. I know you're a very sensitive man when it comes to the bullshit. And so for you to say awesome, uh, means a lot. Uh, it's cool. I'm getting to know you guys two years in. All right. Um, give a, give it a couple months and have that dude back on. That's, uh, it's cool. He talks about, um, he's talking kind of about, about, insecurity and second guessing yourself and when i have people like him on i'm more um uh i don't know i don't know what the right word is but i want to do his him justice for the experiences and vulnerability and uh detail and consciousness and poignancy all that shit that he's bringing to the table Uh, i want to make sure that i'm I'm an adequate uh, receptacle uh, for that. So I always feel this huge sense of accomplishment doing a podcast with someone like Dosh. All right. Um, I don't know what's going I on. Don't, I don't know if there's anything going on tonight, but but I have started lining up more podcasts. Oh, okay. Tomorrow I have a guy on that I've never met before. Sean, Pastuch, Sean Pastuch. and if I'm being completely frank, I'm not sure exactly what the podcast is even going to be about. But it's a guy that I've uh, through through the DMs, I've made acquaintances with him. Okay, and then uh, Friday live back to live Colin show, then Saturday live Colin show, Sunday nothing. All right, Daniel Brandon, yes, okay, I'll I'll bug, I need to bug Daniel Brandon. Okay. Uh, yes, back to uh, COVID uh, dicks and vax t- tomorrow. No, no, probably not tomorrow. Two more days before we get back to you. How, I mean, I show a ton of titties too. How come we, it's always just like this fixation with the dicks? Uh, I haven't seen it, uh, 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 Robbie. Not, I, don't, I haven't seen it yet. I will look though. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jennifer. If you guys want me to look or consider someone for a podcast, please send me their IG always. If you just suggest someone and there's not um, and their IG is not on there, I'll usually just say thank you and move on. I need to see their IGs. I need to be able to at least click one click away and uh, sort of examine them so I can make some sort of evaluation. Or something, a link to a YouTube video, their home phone number. All right, Brian Chantosh, validating this podcast's worthiness. Um, I will see you guys. Um, 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 oh, you know what we didn't do? We didn't do the. Um, do we do? Do we do the thong song? I like that little bit of scratching in there. You hear it? Those are the shakers. And that's the scratching. Okay, see you guys tomorrow. Bye bye.